Hello, everyone, and welcome to Weekly Manga Recap. It's F-R-I-D-A-Y night. That's not the song, but it is tonight. It's July 7th of 2023, and we're doing this on Friday. Weekend energy time. How y'all doing? <laughs> uh, weekend energy is very different when you're in your like mid-30s than it was when you were in your 20s. Like Weekend energy That's true. before was like, yeah, I'm ready to conquer this. I've just reached this point where I'm like, oh, man, after this podcast, I might just go to bed. Like, I'm, I'm going to be real sleepy. Uh, I am sometimes that way. Uh, on the other hand, however, sometimes, because, uh, like, I, I, for the most part, stay away from soda these days. Mm-hmm. But on the weekend, I, I tend to indulge. So uh, that means that. It's caffeine, Nick, uh, tonight, when normally oh, we don't have wow. to <laughs> Oh, wow. So this is great. You're going to be high energy all day. Until it crash. Uh, mm. And that that does happen uh, to me now. What so. if you just keep drinking soda? Well, that, it'll just keep going forever, right? And there won't be any problems nope. if I do that. I just need to keep on hitting the high and that, then i'll never hit the low that was my thought process with energy drinks and all i had was a stroke nick it was nothing <laughs> it's just like a minor little bump in your schedule and then you're free to go yeah. uh and uh you know the the organs that failed we took them out so nothing's gonna yeah. crash now <laughs> you don't need both pancreases oh oh there's only one you say oh my <laughs> oh dear oh man and here I thought that I was fleecing that dealer. Yeah, I was like, sucks to suck, loser. I still have one left to pancreas or whatever the fuck pancreases do. I don't know. Pancreate, presumably. Yeah. It's in the name. Why else would they call it that? It just sounds silly otherwise. Yeah, so I, and anyway, you can you can crease pans without a pancreas is what uh-huh. I'm saying. That's, yes. that's the important thing to keep in mind. Uh. I don't know how we transition from here into the series that we're talking about today. It doesn't Speaking seem of like pancreas, it seems like it would hurt to get stabbed in one. I guess that is about <laughs> as close as we're going to get. The series we're talking about today is called Oshi no Ko, uh, which uh, has kind of like a, a dual meaning. It can mean like my favorite idol or it can mean idol's children. Uh, and uh, I think that that is a deliberate double meaning joy, uh, title. So mm-hmm. the series, broadly speaking, <laughs> is about the Japanese entertainment industry. Mm-hmm. And uh, it is a. I'm not sure it's it's I'm not sure if it's the uh brutally honest or if it is you know played up for dramatic effect it's kind of a mix of the two it's not what you would typically see from like uh you know main character breaks into the entertainment industry kind of shown in manga it it is intending to kind of show how exploitative and gross a lot of the different entertainment industries in japan is but it does it kind of by amplifying situations very frequently uh, and making sure our cast gets thrown into all of them. Um, it, it should be noted there's like a plot to this, but this is a series that has very distinctly like a first volume that is like yes. a prologue. And I think like the first season of the anime is essentially the prologue as well. Jeez. 
Um, maybe not completely, but there, there is very deliberately like a start to the story that if you spoil it, I do feel like takes a bit of the punch of the story out. So <laughs> here's the first spoiler warning, I guess. Uh, if you would like to see a series that deals with oh, the first ep- episode of the anime is the pro. That doesn't even make sense. How do you cover that? There's multiple prologues. Let's call it that. Yeah. The first, I would say that the first volume of the story is the setup for the entire premise of the mm. series. Uh, the first chapter is how you get into the bizarre situation that is the setting of the first volume. So uh, I, I I think that it is fair to say is like, okay, I don't really care about spoiling the first chapter, but if some of this starts to sound weird and interesting, then you will want to tune out yeah. very quickly. We start off at the point of there is a young uh, idol, uh, for those of you who are not aware for whatever reason and are somehow listening to this podcast without knowing what an idol is, uh, is a typically, you know, almost always a female uh, Japanese uh, pop idol, uh, singer, uh, they're dancer. Like, they're like VTubers, but you could shake their hand. And they definitely followed from VTubers <laughs> yeah. and not the other way that, It's that that way, actually. <laughs> VTubers came first uh, <laughs> from the damnedest of seas. And you then... can see, if you look back in ancient <laughs> history, you can see cave drawings yeah. of <laughs> people's avatars. <laughs> Someone's VTuber started, and a caveman was like, oh, oh. And then they played shadow boxing as the, <laughs> as the shadow puppets as the little person. Uh we we really just say that so um so there is a uh, an idol named i uh and that's definitely a very deliberate choice that her name literally means love because that is a big thing in this entire series is love uh and she is pregnant uh and so she goes to see uh an obgyn uh who uh is kind of our hero and then not, and then our hero again uh, in this story who agrees to help her have her children, because as it turns out, she's having twins. Uh, and there's, of course, you know, because she is a young celebrity and in particular, a young idol, and there's all these different, uh, like, taboos associated with, like, being that form of celebrity in Japan, where, like, you're not supposed to get into relationships. You're supposed to remain pure and an object of uh, attraction for you know your fans uh and being even in a relationship can ruin that and so uh the fact that she is pregnant is uh could be very very controversial and bad for her so she has her kids in secret but while she is at the hospital and after she has you know kind of like bonded a little bit with the, with the doctor uh whose name is goro i think is yeah. his name uh he uh, ends up being away from the hospital at the time that she is actually about to have her kids, and a stalker of hers stabs him and kills him after having found out uh, that I is having kids, and you know she, the stalker is like you know trying to track her down and figure this out, and he kills the doctor. However, Goro is immediately reincarnated as one of I's twins, uh, and yes, that is the big thing that hooks us into this and I think that this particular thing is like the 
only like weird like magical realist magical realism example in this entire story i think everything else is supposed to be based in like you know at how we consider it to be the real world but they don't, they don't they don't run into other people who are like i i was a fireman and then i died and i came back and now i want to be a songwriter uh yeah and it's it's I think the only example of this that happens in the entire story, it's, it's a, a bit weird, but it's like, just go with it. Just go with it <laughs> because that's our premise. And we're hooked in on in, into it. The other uh, twin is uh, a girl. The girl actually cared for because she was like, uh, you know, deathly ill, uh, basically died before she even could turn 16, had a frail body. Uh, and, you know, she really, uh, I was her hero. She really looked up to her, uh, idolized her. Uh, not to use the pun deliberately, but uh, and um, so, but she died very, very young, well before actually the first chapter, so it's not like they both died at the time that the children were, were born, it's some sort of bizarre twist of fate that both of them end up being her twins uh, so the girl is uh, Ai's daughter named Ruby, and Goro is reincarnated as her son Aquamarine, because <sighs> that's a <laughs> <laughs> great what, and not uh, weird name for a kid what an easy name to just throw out there um Ruby I, and sapphire I, was right there uh but uh and they're the best games so i don't know why you wouldn't name it you know whatever uh i was probably a gen 4 kid so yeah you know i don't feel too much pity about what happens um i we should note by the way that uh this series is written by aka uh akaska who is the author from Kaguya-sama Love is War. So yes. there, there is, if, you, if you've read that series uh, and you really like the writing in it, there's something to entice you here as well. And uh, I will say that despite having that bizarre beginning and having a premise that is built largely on uh, trauma, death, and needing to fill a tremendous hole in your heart because of a lack of love from the people that you grew up with. There is funny stuff in <laughs> this manga. Like it's, it's not like it's super serious and sad all the time. Uh, but the balance of it is definitely leaning more towards dramatic stuff than Kaguya-sama was. Uh, Kaguya-sama of course was not like completely devoid of having dramatic stuff happen, but it was much more like a, Hey, we're doing jokey jokes this this week, and it's just you know here's a jokey premise for this entire chapter. No, everything like feeds into an ongoing plot. No Shinoko. Yes. Um. <laughs> it's it's an interesting premise because an element we didn't really discuss is that this doctor was not just a, a fan of eyes. He. Uh, <sighs> It's difficult to express. I don't want to like say he was in love with her because he seems to refute that at every possible opportunity. Right. Um, but it's it seems closer to a romantic love than anything else. Um, but never seems to go anywhere. And then suddenly is reincarnated as her child. And there's like yeah. a very odd energy in all of that. Uh I would say this is not the the point of the series. Eventually, it does just become about his, you know, general love for this this person. Um, but there are a lot of there's there's like an entire explanation of why he won't uh, be breastfed. He's like, no, gross. This is revolting or whatever. You're just like, 
this is such a curious way to start this manga when this sort of thing is from what i understand not relevant in the rest of the series no 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 one else is like a reincarnated person so you just kind of sit around and you're like all right i guess this this appears to be the hook i see uh i should i should say it's not just that they are reincarnated they are baby geniuses uh, into this uh, situation, as in both Aqua and Ruby have all their memories of their previous life while they're from the very moment that they are born. They remember who they were, have the reasoning of the age that they were when they died. And also, as it turns out, can speak fluently uh, from when they're like two weeks old. Uh, so it's very weird. And there are times when it is played up how b truly bizarre it is that from the time that they're like three years old, they are just like in public, basically fully acting like an adult and a teenager. Uh, and then as they get older, that becomes a bit less relevant because Ruby essentially just like, you know, becomes, you know, slightly older than the age he was when she died. And Aqua's just weird all around. Mm -hmm. uh, so that stops kind of being super relevant in terms of like the difference between mental and physical age. Uh, but it is very weird early on to have them acting the way that they are. Uh, the, there's the, the president of the idol company, his wife is their pre caretaker when I goes back to like doing her career stuff. And so she's looking after them and she's like, I hate this. I, I have to do all this stuff. I married a, someone who was in the celebrity industry because I wanted to be, you know, like high ride, high flying and, and, you know, hang out with celebrities and stuff. Why do I have to change diapers? And so they're like, if you stop doing this and do exactly as we say, then you will be rewarded because we are gods. And so that's how they handle that and get her to fall in line and, you know, give them what they want. But then that stops being relevant after the first part of the story. And instead, she's just kind of an occasionally present uh, caretaker slash or organizational business figure. She becomes very not important after the first couple volumes she, i found she serves a functional purpose as like these kids need to have some form of representation and since so much of this manga is about kind of exploring the ways that like different levels of the entertainment industry exploit people you don't want them to be exploited by their agency like that per se so it gives them kind of like a safe venue for that and also somebody to kind of explain the entertainment industry to these kids as they start to get older right. she's the one who actually has you know any sort of background in it from the beginning uh and you know presumably she's gained a lot of experience while they've been growing up uh so for a little while we have the premise being I is kind of like continue getting back into her being an idol uh, career while Ruby and Aqua are these little baby geniuses who are both also massive fans of her. And there's like 
there's kind of there's a cute moment where like I is doing a concert and they insist on being allowed to go to it and they're like it's okay it's okay you know we'll just act like you know we're just random babies in the audience we won't do anything and then they start doing like idle otaku dances with glow sticks and stuff while they're sitting in their baby strollers because they love I so much that they can't control themselves uh so that doesn't <laughs> they they do a great job of keeping it of, of keeping a lo, of, of keeping keeping a low profile just yeah. these little babies with glow sticks walk um and then the big thing happens very shortly after that like there's there's one moment where like aqua gets an acting job like a child acting gig and we just kind of get this very early impression of oh this guy's weird because you know he is a little kid who is acting like a kind of an already was kind of creepy 30 something year old uh and this director takes the notice of that and is like i want you to play a creepy kid so he goes into a uh, onto you know a show and plays a creepy kid by just acting like himself because he realizes this director thinks i'm creepy so i'm just going to act the way that he wants me to uh that's the first time that they meet it uh uh, Kana, who becomes an important character uh, shortly after that. And then uh, there's this very, I think the most interesting part of the manga, I, I felt, where we get some background on I and how she like got into celebrity, being a celebrity and stuff, which was she caught the note, the, the attention of a, of a talent scout. And she was like, well, I can't be an idol, though, because idols are all about saying to people like, oh, I love all of you. And, you know, you, you mean so much to me. And she says, I don't have that capacity. I don't connect to people that way. I don't have the emotional ability to say that I love someone. And the guy's like, oh, that's fine. You can just lie because, you know, it doesn't have to be legitimate love. And so she's like, oh, well, OK, then. And so that's how she goes about her career is just like, you know, she says, I love you. And she's like, but I'm lying about it. I don't love my fans like that. I appreciate them because, you know, I wouldn't have a career without them, but I don't love these people. But the more that she does that, the more that she doubts her ability to actually love anyone. And there is a very heartbreaking moment where she says, when I'm around my kids, I don't say I love you. Because I'm worried if I say it, that I'll realize I'm lying to them. And it's just the most <laughs> devastating thing <laughs> when she thinks that. But it really helps to drive the ethos of this series, which is about how people who have a lack of self-love or love from other people close to them, a lot of them go into this culture trying to get the attention and love of other people to fill that for them. That is the big driving point of the series. And having someone to love them is a big driving motivation for a lot of the major characters in the story in a lot of different ways. Mm -hmm. I, I then don't... the spoiler happens. <laughs> I, I will say if you're absolutely like, I don't want to know, I want to go into this with the, the utmost you know, sort of surprise, the intended experience, so to speak, then yeah, like, you know, skip, come back, skip back, you know, whatever you need to do. Um, I should note, 
the moment you like start reading it, it's not a surprise what ha- yeah. what happens because like the end of each chapter is expressed through like a movie documentary about like hey talking in the past tense everyone yeah everyone seemed to speak very regretfully about i uh, and you're like all right i feel like i can figure out what's going on <laughs> i feel like i can piece together some of these clues uh but quinn, the- it, it, quinn is the sensei from 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 blank canvas gonna make it <laughs> yeah i'm like he said he has lung cancer but she visited him a couple months later and he seems to be doing just fine so i bet he beat it i bet he's doing just great <laughs> Uh, so, yeah, yeah. I she dies. Nick, uh, I don't yeah. know how to tell you it. She dies. Uh, it's it's it's. Oh no! It's pretty. It's actually pretty traumatizing. Yeah. I uh, basically just get stabbed by her stalker, who then kills himself afterwards. Uh, and it's kind of a mystery as to like, well, wait, how did this? person find where i lives like this should be a secret how did he know how did he know about the hospital how did he know about her pregnancy and how did he know where she was living later uh and we get a hint like it's something that no one else actually knows but it seemed as though i reached out to the children's father right before the stalker found her Uh uh-huh uh and so uh, and of course, yeah, the father is not present when she goes into the clinic in order to get checked out and everything. It's a mystery who the father is. Uh, and but uh, Aqua, who literally dies in eyes, uh, she uh, he, she, she is dies in, arm, in his arm. Yeah, she, yeah, she, she, bleeding out on top of him. Uh, and like Ruby is like on the other side of like a glass door. She she's not quite as cl- literally close to it when it happens. Uh, so Aqua already like, you know, in a very bizarre situation is horrifically traumatized by this. Uh-huh. Uh, and like, there is no ifs, ands or buts about it. It is specifically referred to as like, he is traumatized by this. He incident. has PTSD. Course, like, it's the whole yeah. thing. Yeah. He they mentioned at one point that like he you know goes to therapy uh for it but he says that he stopped going to therapy which <laughs> there would be as much of a plot i guess if he <laughs> would just do it yeah <laughs> the idea is that he's like i don't want my family to keep worrying about me if i if i'm staying in therapy so i just told them i'm fine <laughs> and like yeah, the people much. the people here about that are like that doesn't sound like no, that's a not, good thing not. to have done uh so but shortly after everything happens, uh, Aqua has the understanding that, uh, well, how did this guy, you know, find out about this? How did he track down I? Someone close to the situation must have revealed it to it, must have leaked the information. And, you know, he realizes that there is just there's an incredibly short list of possible suspects who could have done so. Uh, there is, you know, I herself, who of course, like, wouldn't have done it. There's the president of the entertainment, uh, of their entertainment company, who literally had no motivation to want I to be killed because, like, they suffer tremendous setbacks because I is dead. So it couldn't have been him. It wouldn't have been his wife, the woman who's looking after them, because she wouldn't have had any reason to want I to die. So 
the only person it makes sense knock was had to have done this that would have a, a proper motivation would be his mystery father his and ruby's mystery father uh and so he which realizes, isn't nearly like, as fun as it sounds like kind of sounds like a fun game like mystery <laughs> mystery dad, dad. <laughs> But actually, you're like, hold on, wait, me. I think this dude killed my mom. <laughs> Can you guess who? It's a mystery. <laughs> Could be any of these scumbags in, in the Japanese entertainment industry. Flip down, flip down the tabs. Use your DNA test wisely. <laughs> <laughs> you only get a couple and you have to debase yourself to get almost all of the samples. Oh, man. Uh, so he realizes like, well, this guy is almost definitely involved in the entertainment industry because, you know, it's someone that I would have met in her career. So I need to get into the entertainment industry and I got to find this guy and bring and get my revenge on him. So this little four year old with the mentality of a 30 plus year old is like, I am going to dedicate my life to getting revenge for what happened to I. Yes. And he does that. Uh, we skip ahead to the point where he and I, uh, he, where he and Ruby rather are teenagers and uh, Aqua is like getting involved in like, you know, movie production. The director who kind of discovered him before is like teaching him about you know, creating movies and stuff uh, while saying like, you should act. And Aqua's like, I don't want to act. Uh, he keeps on getting acting jobs and stuff. And Ruby, meanwhile, who had always wanted to become an idol, like I uh, becomes starts working to become an idol and, you know, like uh, she worked, and so there's kind of like two different plot lines. One, a much more like kind of traditional uh, story that you would expect for, you know, like a series with the kind of visuals associated with the marketing of the series of like, oh, bright and pretty idol characters and stuff. Ruby starts putting together an idol group. Meanwhile, Aqua is like, I'm going to get into acting for revenge. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and. Yeah, it's 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 a choice after that point yeah it's a choice of his um yeah there's like a big dichotomy split between the two siblings of how they go about things um and they create very interesting tones because ruby is much more like i want to be like mom i want to be a shining idol i want to do all these things and aqua is just like on two levels he's like one i have to find our mother's killer by kind of interacting climbing my way up the hollywood uh, ladder to find anyone she's kind of ever worked with or whatever uh and then also i need to protect my little sister because i think she's just gonna yeah. get fucking hurt by this industry so yeah. it's it's an interesting parallel because you know aqua is very dour and boring like i should say boring but like He's very serious. There's not a lot of chuckles very, with Aqua. He's very cold. Like yes, absolutely. Um, and Ruby is like a lot more spontaneous and fun. But there, there's like an express point kind of made that like she might not be the right person because she's more like light and free. Like she might have her own issues. She also needs to be working out, and she might be thinking of this kind I of mean, childishly. Her mother did also die in front yeah. of her. <laughs> all these kids are fucked up. There's so much trauma for all of them. They're they're all dealing with shit. <laughs> and essentially, like if a there is a main character who is a teenager in this story, they have something about them that uh, is, is fucked up. 
Yeah. Uh, that that's like I said, it's a big running thing of just like anyone who is like you know young and gets into the, you know this kind of celebrity uh, or entertainment rather uh, lifestyle uh, has something going on uh, where they're not quite super well adjusted uh, a lot of times because you know like the situation they grew up in wasn't fully ideal. Uh, for example, uh, the third most the third most important character in the story after the two uh, siblings is Kana who uh is you know kind of starts off as this like very bratty self-centered child star and then over time like her star fades a bit and she kind of realizes that in order to keep her career she can't be so self-centered she's got to like adapt more and be more of a team player and stuff but as a result of that she doesn't like play to her strengths as much and that's really bad for her because you know she just wants people to love her uh, and she, she can't you know but you know trying to be true to herself got her in a situation where like she nearly would have been her career her mother was putting all this pressure on her and stuff and because aqua gives her kind of this like big wake-up call at a couple points in her life she fucking falls in love with him and he becomes this big driving factor for her to like you know set her sights on like i'm gonna like make this guy pay attention to me he's going to be my big motivating force i'm going to make him love me uh and aqua meanwhile is just like gotta get revenge gotta get dna tests can't love anyone because they might die it's just <laughs> he's so messed up he's like i could go to therapy but that would interfere with my ability to, to hunt down men and find out if they're the ones who killed my mom can you spit on this? <laughs> yeah. He just spit keeps, on this for me. He just keeps DNA testing his therapist. <laughs> Can you pee in this cup? He doesn't have DNA in it. What the fuck? Why wouldn't? That's so bullshit. <laughs> Jerk off in this cup then. Uh, and uh, yeah, so there's a lot of... It's a very, I feel kind of fast-paced series as well. We've, done, we've read a number of series that are about, you know, like, hey acting, making movies and stuff. And it feels kind of always like there's just kind of, oh, right, we'll spend a bunch of time on this one project. And there are, we do eventually get to a point where we're like, okay, it's time for the big stage production thing. And they spend, spend a lot of time on that. But it also feels like there's constantly like moving forward, like, okay, they're making an idol group. They made an idol group. And just stuff just goes, goes, goes a lot of the time. Uh, and it's just, it does feel like there is a good pace to everything as it unfolds. But honestly, a lot of it does kind of blow past for me. I feel like the highlights of the series are when we just get deep down into like, what is going on in this character's head? Uh -huh. And uh, for example, during this like one big play uh, arc where uh, Aqua and uh, Kana and Aqua's girlfriend, Akane, they're they're very, very officially boyfriend and girlfriend, but <laughs> just, just, just don't worry about it. So they're all involved in this in this play, and we kind of explore like Aqua's limitations as an actor because his big thing is like he was never actually technically a talented actor. It's just that he Thank had the so ability much. to have insight into what he needed to do uh, when he was a little kid that little kids normally don't have. But um, he starts exploring this, and, and he's like, 
well, I can't have fun while doing this. Everyone's like talking about being emotional and stuff, and I can't. And I can't have fun because when he starts thinking about having fun, literally the ghost of who he was in his past life shows him. It's like you're not allowed to have fun. You're not allowed to be happy. You don't deserve to be happy. Look at what happened to I. You don't deserve to be happy because of what happened to her. And it's like Jesus Christ. Yeah. It's like he has his own little personal whiplash to come in and be like, "You think fucking acting is fun? It's not supposed to be fun, asshole." This is a tool. Yeah. This is your weapon to get revenge. Stop having fun. <laughs> Don't enjoy yourself. What is this? Stupid idiot. And when that happened, I had been kind of going through like, all right, there's all this stuff where we kind of get into like all this nitty gritty about like, oh, disputes between the original writer and the writer of the adaptation. And it's not very <laughs> interesting, honestly. It could be interesting, but it's really just kind of like there for the sake of it. It feels like a lot of the time. Or there's a lot of like dirty laundry being aired by, uh, by uh, you know, just like a lot of like Akasaka getting out some emotions from having to deal with adaptations of the past, maybe. But then we get into this stuff like this character is messed up and this is why they are acting is because they have this deep hole inside themselves <laughs> that needs to be filled by the love of strangers. Uh, that is when the series is that it's highlight for me. Uh, I feel like this is a very well done series, but a lot of the time it feels like it's just kind of happening and I'm just kind of following along with it passively. But I feel like the character writing is very good and wanting to see what happens to everyone. I feel like that is done very well. Not really surprising given the track record of, of the author of this. Yeah. Um, hmm. There's a lot Lewis just said. Uh, and I, I think I agree with, a, no, I think I agree with a lot of it. Um, I had a challenging time with this manga. Uh, it's this, I, I, I do know what, and I understand what you were saying when you were like, the series has a brisk pace. Um, I would say that it, it never felt like it did for me. Uh, if only because I, I very frequently felt like I was like, drowning in conversations in this manga um i think most chapters are like 20 pages long or something like that but i feel like it took like twice the amount of time to read like an oshinoko chapter than it did anything else like i'd very frequently be like okay i'm on you know i'm on chapter 47 i'm gonna get to chapter 50 by the end of the night and then like 45 minutes would pass by and i'd be like <laughs> oh, fucking god <laughs> Uh, there was there was just an exhaustion in, in reading this at certain points where it just it felt very dense. I think because there are so many comp characters and conversations happening and I'd frequently have to kind of go back to be like, who's this person? Um, the series is not drawn by Akasuka. Uh, it is mm-hmm. uh, Mengo Yokoyari. Mm-hmm. And I think in many ways their art is is very good. Uh but I find some of their character designs, I guess, I, I don't know how, uh, like a better way to say it. They, they, they're not memorable to me. So I'd very frequently run into a character again and everyone would act like they knew him. And I'd be like, who the fuck is this person? <laughs> I don't it's, like I, I had to sit around for a while and think about it. It's yeah, I, I see. Your, I, I think I know what you're going for. It's that kind of challenge of like if an artist has a relatively realistic style, then as a result of that, a lot of the character designs aren't distinct enough from each other to uh-huh. even remember who each person is supposed to be. 
uh fortunately like aqua and ruby are the two characters that have like very light colored hair so it's all, and they've also got freaking stars in their eyes for a, se- so. for a series that has three predominant characters with enormous star-shaped pupils this series has a lot of like for blendable character designs it's not them i could pick them up out of a fucking lineup with those eyes um is always wearing a hat so i know who she is yeah <laughs> I think one of the levels is like I I needed Memcho to show up more because she always has the little horns. fucking devil horns and I was like I know who you are but right. like Akane would frequently show up and be like who the fuck is stop this? changing your hair Akane <laughs> like, who is this one uh, Melt showed up J J Flugel brought it up in the chat Melt shows up in a later arc uh, after your first introduced him and like characters react to him I was like who's this motherfucker and then I had to stop I was like. I think I read this arc like only like a week ago. It hasn't been that long, but I had like completely forgotten there was like another character involved in that arc when we originally read it. Um, yeah, he gets like he gets like the the arc of the of the stage play thing. <laughs> I was <laughs> stunned on. when he got a full ass like storyline. Like I was like, there's like seven fucking storylines. I was like, there's the the fight between the producers and the original manga author, and like, will this work? And you know, the adaptation. There's Akana, uh, Akane and Kana are having like a rivalry. Uh, there's, you know, uh, Aqua has his old thing he has going on. There's the actual like lead of the show who's this like otherworldly talent who like we haven't really gotten to see what he's going to do. I think there's like two other motherfuckers and Melt's getting like a multi chapter storyline devoted to himself and he should have. It was the best part of that arc. I'm not even gonna lie. Everything else kind of paled in comparison afterwards. Melt looked really fucking cool after that arc. But I do think this is like a series that would work a lot better in anime where all these like wild mm. ha- like hairstyles get a color. I could easily look at it and be like, I know who that bitch is now. Or just more Memcho, who again, when she shows up, I see the double horns. I'm like, I know what that one I know which that and that one is. Speaking of Memcho, I do think that uh she is involved uh, in some of the parts of the story that I think uh, go with what you were talking about in terms of like very dense dialogue. And I guess cause I don't think it's just a problem of it being dense dialogue. There's also a lot of just like talking about, you know, what goes into the creation of different things. So whenever they talk about like building a YouTube channel, I'm just like, <laughs> I don't <laughs> I know you, you don't have to tell me about all this stuff. They talk about subscriber counts and how how much how much how many subscribers is actually an impressive feat or not. And it's like, I don't care. It's just numbers. This is how much time it takes. This is what this is what a collaboration is. Like, OK, OK, this is what a YouTube collaboration is. Fine. But I I, I was so thankful whenever we got to a point that was like all right aqua has to do this thing that he doesn't want to do because he's a boring person who doesn't <laughs> like the industry that he's involved yeah. in because he's obsessed with getting revenge and i have to say it is actually really interesting to see the way that he that his whole plotline is portrayed and develops over time because there's in fairly short order, a lot of different twists and turns the revenge plotline develops through. Because, you know, 
he doesn't know who his father is. So he's like going to through all these different guys trying to get into different productions so that he can like surreptitiously like swipe a sample of their DNA by getting like some hair or a cigarette butt or something so that he can do a DNA test on it. Uh, and he comes to a point at a certain point where he's like, okay, this could be my father. This could be my father. But at about, at about the midway point, and I say that in terms of where the series is now, the series is currently ongoing. It is very successful and popular. It's just had uh, an anime run this past season. Uh, and it trended on Twitter around the world in its most recent, most recent chapter for reasons we'll talk about a little bit later. Uh, but uh, he finds out at a certain point, or at least he thinks, that his father has already died. So when he finds this out, he doesn't go, what have I been doing this for? You know, why? He just, he's just like, oh, it's over. I don't have to do this anymore. I can let myself feel happy. Yeah, he's like, I guess I'll finally be a human now. Thank you. And, you know, he's left to realize like, hey, like I formed a relationship with Akane specifically because I thought she might have useful abilities and insights that would help me to find out who my father was. And now I don't need that anymore. So what is the nature of our relationship? He's and so he, you know, things like maybe I should just like end our like you know, basically faux celebrity relationship and stuff. They have a really weird conversation about it where you find out, no, no, it's okay. She's weird too. You guys, <laughs> you guys can keep, keep on the, relating the, to each other. The, the best moment is when he is still on his like fucking revenge kick, and because of a situation where he basically has like a, a panic attack and goes through all this stuff, she starts to piece together some things after hearing him sleep talk. And she's, she's, she hasn't outright said like, I think your eye has, she knows or I, I don't think her name was a Republic. I think your eyes kids or something like that. But she asked him like, Hey, what is it you really want? And like, Aqua's just like, you know, let me fuck it. I want to kill somebody. She's yeah, like, I hope you kill somebody. Yeah. <laughs> like the conversation very quickly just becomes a normal one again. Like he's just like, oh, geez. Well, all right. I mean, if that's what, you know, boyfriend and girlfriends do. And it's just one of these things you're like, she was ready to fucking kill for you, my man. In a heartbeat. She didn't ask who. She was just no. ready to fucking kill somebody in she that moment. She didn't know, didn't know why, didn't know what this person She's allegedly like, she did. She doesn't know if there's any justification for it. She doesn't know. She's just like, look, if my boy wants somebody dead, he's dying. Yeah. And it's not even like apparently just like attraction on her part. There's just this really bizarre bond between the two of them that makes her be just full ride or die with him. And they have like they're a very complicated relationship. Yeah. Because they met on a dating show where it was like mm -hmm. six of them. And she was the one who was finding herself like more and more pushed to the background. Everyone else like was getting like full storylines or whatever. And uh, they they start to channel a very true storyline of just like people very frequently bully people on these shows who they don't like 
Um, there's many instances of people who have killed themselves as a result of that bullying, and that's what she's going to do. She's had her limit. She goes to try to kill herself, but Aqua saves her. So there's like a bond form there. But then she's like, why did I get into this? I want to do more. I want to become more like I. To the point where when Aqua sees her, he sees I, or at least he sees like her eyes in her eyes. And this is what kind of draws him to actually being able to on screen have chemistry with her. Like he's able to pull it out. Because Aqua doesn't really act. He just no. gets in a situation that's true to the character. Like something happens. So there's this weird angle where she is like, I'm I'm really in love with you because you saved my life. And he's kind of like, hey, you kind of remind me of my mom. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and you know what? They're ride or die. And I, I appreciate that. I mean, to, you know, to a certain extent. but uh, There is a love triangle that is between Akane and Aqua and Kana through, mm-hmm. I think, the like the entirety of this of the series so far, basically. Uh, and it's actually like pretty damn well done in terms of like the two of them are very distinct from each other and care about Aqua in very different ways and also it's justified that Aqua doesn't like romantically commit to either of them because he is damaged and mentally scarred and can't allow himself to love another person so yeah of course he acts cold and distant towards both of them uh and yeah that they go through a lot of different uh turns in as things develop and also as Aqua basically becomes more and more like light Yagami uh, <laughs> as time goes by <laughs> um, until eventually uh, I, I, I look people were talking about it in our discord there is a tease of a brother sister incest thing that happened in the most recent chapter I think it was a joke I'm not sure though so <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, there was a te- there was a tease of uh, she's your sister who's related to you by blood, <laughs> which is disgusting. <laughs> Gross! Ew! It's only hot. It's only hot when they're not related by blood. Uh, well, you know, like she's reincarnated from someone who was related to me by blood. Oh, so she? You're saying that she's actually not your sister, but she is related to you by blood. Oh, that's this horrible. is the worst. This is the worst of both worlds. <laughs> Uh, so I will say that I found that this series to be very well done for what it was at times, very, very fascinating, uh, in terms of how, like, there was some character writing that I don't think I can remember being done quite this way in a series that I've read recently. That said, the general kind of stuff that happens in it wasn't really what I would normally be into. Uh, so I did like you actually have like hard a hard time getting into this at certain points i when i would read it i would read long stretches of it but then i would go days in between just be like i don't want to read that it's like oh it's just going to be about them talking about making movies in a really boring way <laughs> uh and that is what a lot of it feels like it's just like you know just kind of okay uh you know like oh it's a manga about acting uh kind of thing but it's not really interesting a lot of the time when it delves into that it's mostly just about character motivations that are really fascinating in it 
Yeah, uh, this series is insanely popular, and I think the reasons for why are pretty evident. I think there's a lot of strong writing in it. I think that, you know, I think these characters are very intriguing for a lot of people. It touches upon an industry that has, I think, just something that's curious, like that, that sparks curiosity for a lot of people. It's like insider bait, like, kind of, I guess, the same way we felt when we read Bakuman, where you're like, oh, I like seeing this stuff that's like, how the show to jump magazine works and then later on realizing that it doesn't actually really work <laughs> quite like that they need, they need to make a story sometimes so sometimes it's you know you do kind of silly stuff um so i, I do totally get that i just i didn't feel much of an urge to like read this series in the same way that it just didn't spark that same joy for me so a lot of the times it was kind of like okay this was very much like a job in the way it was like, all right, I got to read this for the podcast and kind of get through it. I still had fun. Like, I still enjoyed myself. Um, but, for example, I picked up the first volume to read just on my own. Uh, it's worth noting the series has, like, a kind of slow release here in the U.S. Uh, or in the English speakers. Like, um, I think we have oh, two yeah, volumes. Wow. We have two volumes out now with the third coming out, I think, later this year or something yeah, those like were- that. Those had been out for like three years by the time that they came out. Yeah, I was going to say, I think in other countries, they're up to like volume nine or something like that. Uh, I was going to pick this series up volume by volume, but having read a a pretty large chunk of it, I I think I realized I was like, "Ah, maybe this just isn't the series for me, Um, which is fine. As I said, I think uh, people can enjoy different things. So I, 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 I would still recommend this for a lot of people. I think those a lot of people will enjoy this. Uh, I will say that for anyone who is interested in checking out the series, if Manga Plus is available in your region, uh, the other other the the other other <laughs> manga reading service that Shueisha offers, uh, if you get the app, you can read the entirety of the series for free. Uh, it's a special kind of thing where you can only access everything but like the first six and last three chapters once. But there's no limit to how much of it you can read. So if you just want to, you know, just like gorge on this series and just read all in one go, you can do that for free using the app if you want to do that. So Mm -hmm. uh, and then for there, hey, there are uh, currently two volumes available. There will be two more released this year if you want to support the series in that way. And there is an anime for it uh, that is uh, had its, I think, first season, I think, considering that it's. I believe very successful. Uh, that has just recently come out as well. So there you go. Good stuff. All right. We have a lot of manga to talk about. Starting with Undead Unluck. There's no My Hero this week. That's right. There's no My Hero. There's no One Piece. There's no Black Clover. <laughs> so Quite a few things out. Uh, so we're going to talk about Undead Unluck number 165. As it stands, you are. And we open... In the third round of this tournament, Billy versus Shen. Billy has already been knocked out of the ring. It opens with Shen just straight up punching him straight out of the ring. Billy you can't gets, use your weird abilities if I just punch you first. <laughs> yeah, Billy's like, what the fuck? Why did you knock me out of the ring so quickly? And uh, yeah, so I uh, and Void are like, uh, probably because he realized he should just beat us up before we have the chance to do anything weird to him. Uh, but he's won the fight. And hey, great stuff. Uh, you know... He, he rules basically 
And Shen just kind of like leaves, saying like, "All right, there's only one person left before I have to fight Mui, uh, and uh, I'll see you in the finals, and I'll stop you, Mui, my dear." And we cut over to Fuku, who's like, "Oh, it's Mui, my first friend that I ever made. This is great. Aww. Yeah, and I'm so glad you were able to meet Mr. Shen in this loop. You know, when you met him before, you like you were just like." very dutifully supporting him no matter what even though his mission was like to kill fang and everything like that but in this like in this world you like met him under different circumstances so i just need to know how different are you and Mui immediately like gets to the ground and starts apologizing to shen she's like i know you said you would win the for me but i just thought that like maybe i should join too and i could use my martial arts to help you and and Fuku just smiles. She's like, okay, you're exactly the same in this she's universe, too. She's just a lot scarier, but she's still very sweet. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Her, her little thing is like, those two will always be the same, no matter how much the world may change. Um, she uh, does know, like, will you be okay? I've heard your next opponent, Ms. Fuku, is a monster who defeat, uh, defeated Fang. And uh, Fang is Shen's just like, no, I, I know she's strong. But I'm not going to lose. And, you know, for your little brother, for the sake of growing stronger, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do it. So it's time for Shen and Fuko to fight. And Shen, uh, Fuko's still standing up over by uh, Fang, up by his little overseen chair. And she just asks out to Shen, what will you use your strength for? And I do Fang interrupts is like, fucking shut up and fight. What are you doing? <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 no. What is this philosophy bullshit? No, yeah. no, no. What? Make the fight. 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 <laughs> and she's just like, look, there's some shit you can't, your fists can't figure out, okay? Uh, Shen's very nervous at first, but he does start to explain. He's like, I always kind of questioned the point of getting stronger. Like, the old man trained me, but it was so he could fight Fuko. That had nothing to do with me. I just got stronger, really, for no reason, and I don't. I didn't even really know what it was for or anything like that. So about like eight years ago, I couldn't stand the thought of training anymore. So I just like ran away and I wound up meeting Mui and she fed me and she took care of me when I was almost dying. And as my way of giving thanks, I taught her martial arts because, you know, she runs a restaurant with her sick brother and she would get robbed sometimes. So she would need it to like protect herself. And it was the first time I ever felt helpful to somebody. And it made me really grateful that I was strong. So now I want to use my strength to help others. And that's, you know, what I'm hoping for. We, yeah, we get a shot of Fang looking back to when he met Fuko earlier in this, uh, this loop. And her kind of saying something very similar about, like, people who want to protect others kind of reach a strength that others don't have. So we get a little moment between Mui and, and Shen where she's just like... I really admire your strength and everything like that. And then, like, the announcer's like, all right, Fuku, you got 10 seconds to get to the ring. So Fuku's just like, all right, thank you for crossing paths with uh, Shenmui. I have nothing more to teach you. Shang's like, what, what, what the fuck do you mean? <laughs> and she doesn't answer the 10 count. Fuku is disqualified, and the victor is Shen. And Shen, or Fang, is just like, I guess you have a plan then? And Fuku just says, yep, during this match... Uh, Shen is going to become the strongest. So we're in the final match of the tournament now. Uh, Shen versus Mui. And Shen just says, look, I understand why you're here. Uh, you said you want to help me, and I appreciate that sentiment. But it's enough. Let's do this. 
Uh, so they, they start fighting. Moe starts really going all out. She immediately, like, fucking, all like... All right, Mr. Shen. We very deeply care about each other. Yeah, immediately fucking Sparrow kicks him in the chest and then fucking launches him into the sky. She does the thing that, you know, you do in every DBZ fighting game yeah. when you've got enough key where you launch them and then you and then you teleport behind them and knock them down to the ground. Yeah, immediately fucking does that move. And uh, Fang's all excited. He's like, yes, this woman is strong, far stronger than Shen. And Fuko's just laughs. She's like, wow, this is amazing. I never imagined you would get this strong. But rest assured, we'll prevent that tragedy. So keep on fighting and don't hold back. It's a nice, it's a nice, sweet little chapter, uh, despite the fact that it takes place within a wacky martial arts tournament thing. Uh, but, you know, I really like uh, Shen's little speech about how he just says, like, you know, I felt useful to someone. So that's what I want to use my strength for. It's like, oh, yeah, it's nice. Yeah, there's a lot of very good stuff uh, in there. I like that speech, as you mentioned. I like us kind of closing in on on Fang during that. Like it's this is now the echo. This is sort of the the second time this this message has been really imparted to him. So, you know, I think next time is when he's finally gonna be like, all right, let me try to see if I give a shit about love or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> um. Yeah, I think this was a really good chapter. I, I do like that. Mui is like a fucking badass in this, but also still has like the same fun personality as before. I think right. that's, it's, that's nice to see. Yeah, the fact that she's not just an entirely different person, which is nice because, you know, you don't have to be one way as you don't have to have just one particular personality in order to be a badass. Mm-hmm. So. Let's talk now about Kaiju number eight. Uh, it's chapter 89. Hoshina and Kaiju number 10 uh, were uh, not doing so hot because uh, number 10's perfected form is the one that they're facing off against. So Hoshina has a flashback to uh, when he was young and training and his older brother Soichiro was the super talented, perfect guy representing the the, uh, family style. And Hoshina was, in his own words, nothing more than a reject. Uh... So, in the present, uh, he has just had a clash against Kaiju number... 12. 11? 12. N- Ninja, 12. Ninja says it's 12. And it's Ninja's 12. not wrong. Ninja's not wrong. And if, he, and if he's wrong, then it's all his fault, so... Oh, damn. Uh, Hoshina's sword's broken, so he's not doing so well, and uh, he realizes, like, well, shit, this thing is just faster, stronger, just in any every way, just, like, stronger than Kaiju number 10. Uh, and I'm just like, yeah, this is the finished product, absolutely. And Hoshina thinks to himself, so that means we're both a pair of rejects right now. Uh, there is a very cool moment where, in a flash, like Hoshina like senses he's going to have his face cut in half, and he just barely ducks the uh, sword strike uh, that uh, the kaiju launches. And uh, he's like, all right, we can't afford to lose. We're cutting it down, number 10. And uh, he dashes off. And gets on the radio to Okunogi, uh, who does a actually kind of helpful and cool operator thing while everyone's just kind of been like, oh, distributing strength levels and stuff. <laughs> it's like, no, 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 no. Get, get me that Hulkbuster armor <laughs> for me. I, uh, yeah, she, everyone else is just like, oh my god, the power level's gone from 87 to 88%. She's like coordinating fucking supply drops. Which. 
I thought like, well, what the fuck is she doing here dropping this thing? Uh, and because a pod drops uh, on Hoshina's command and uh, he acknowledges as it's approaching like, look, no matter how much I concentrate, I can't unleash any more combat potential than 83%. Uh, am I missing something or is this just the maximum amount that we're ever going to reach? Either way, I can't hope to just get stronger. So I'm going to change my strategy, which is just a nice, you know, like, I like, I know that everyone else is having their shown in moments today. <laughs> I'm just going to fight differently. I'll, I'll get to it. So uh, the pods reach the earth and one of them opens up and a weapon pops out and it's a different sword. <laughs> so it's it's a long different. sword this time. Uh, a long single sword instead of having the shorter blades that he uses in uh, in pairs. And uh, so, yeah, Hoshina is going to go for the single blade form that uh, his brother specializes in. Now, and, uh, he does not. Why did he need six pods to drop? Shh. <laughs> Well, like I was like, oh, okay, so they get destroyed, but they don't get destroyed. He just walks over and grabs a sword out of one of them, and it looks like it's the full ass sword. So yeah. in my mind, did they drop like six swords? And, was, and he was like, no, just one will be fine. I'm not motherfucking Zoro over here. I, I don't really know if there is any reason beyond like it will also break. Uh, like, if that if that's what oh, happens, oh, that's oh, it, that would be so fucking cool if it keeps breaking. He just keeps drawing new swords, just wastes this dude sword after sword. Or if uh, he realized like oh, I need a bigger sword, and so the next one is he puts two <laughs> no, of them together, just, and then the next one he puts three of them together. They're just all sequentially longer. <laughs> <laughs> so. Uh, we get a flashback between uh, Hoshino Okonogi where he just straight up predicts like, yeah, number nine's been watching me fight. So if he has a counter for my dual blade form, I'm going to need to have a backup measure ready and I'll use my single blade form. I can't afford to lose when it comes to the blade. He's, and he's Okonogi... He's his whole life for the blade. He's... <laughs> well, you were... <laughs> While you well, were you out were... having pussy, I was <laughs> studying with the blade and everything. Yeah. Yep. Uh, and uh, Okanogi realizes, like, yeah, Hoshida's not good at using small arms and stuff. He has to use blades and close combat stuff. He can't afford to lose this way to anyone. So it's an interesting, like, balance between, like, he is adapting and he has to just stick to his strong suit, which is very nice. Uh, and so he has the blade. Kaiju number 12 dashes in towards him. And Hoshida does this rapid, like this Eido slash and just immediately cuts through its arm. Just like, you know, in perfect, like, you know, draw the sword and, and use it in a single fluid motion slash downward and then holsters it or hilt sheaths it uh, in one go. And that's where we ended off as he has successfully sliced off one of uh, number 12's arms. Very cool chapter. Mm -hmm. I think it's extraordinarily cool. Uh, but I also have a bias in that Hoshino is like the character that like... Hoshino's great. <laughs> ...really gets me excited in this series. So, yeah. But I do think this is pretty cool of him being like, I have this other style I can use. I don't use it because it's family trauma and some shit. But I'm also dope with it too. Just deal with it. Uh... 
it also did not help that I watched the latest, finished watching the latest season of Demon Slayer earlier this week, and there the whole thing with uh, Suichiro and Muichiro uh, happens in this season, and so the fact that there is uh, a older brother character named Soichiro in this <laughs> like huh <laughs> curious uh, uh anyway so we're gonna move on from there to world trigger yay Nick, this is like actually a chapter of world trigger Stop happens in this okay look the first tap is just them talking about <laughs> away mission test results yeah. but <laughs> we eventually get there uh so to roll through this stuff really quickly it's the away mission test part 32 they get the results uh Sua squad is in third place overall they were in first place in the most recent day of things so they're having a big celebration like oh man that really that's really good osama realized is realizing which ones were struggling which weren't uh Wakamura squad goes yay we're not in dead last <laughs> good job team high fives all around uh and uh they're also trying to figure out like huh why are why uh, what what's going on with the, you know this people why did these guys do bad and why are they they're trying to figure out what's going on here kakizaki squad taichi is thinking about jumping off a bridge and um don't make me feel bad for hitting this person uh <laughs> uh he feels like he didn't really didn't you know help out the team because you know there was no special assignment that he could help out on so it was just like well we sucked in battles and that was basically it uh, it's like me if you took off your stupid hat. You know what? You know, it's not, maybe you, know, you would what, be able to focus more. <laughs> it's not even worth talking about. Just uh, saying, everyone are... else kind of took off their hats, except for Arafune, but he's you know, he looks cool. So <laughs> uh, there's a pretty long analysis that happens that immediately is proven kind of pointless because Mizukami uh, realizes, like, wait a minute. I thought we did really poorly uh, in this uh, on this day, but the gap between us and Kodera Squad actually widened. What the hell happened? So it's like, oh, what an interesting little mystery. Like he's realized something, so he's trying to figure out what's going on, and then it turns out, oh, Kodera Squad just didn't turn in their assignments. They're going to do them all in one go. Oh, that's all. <laughs> Nick, the drama. <laughs> Ah! someone's gonna turn in their assignments later and you won't know what your score is gonna be reflected oh man the dramatic irony of it all and stuff uh -huh. all right that's done okay it, it... ninomiya squad <laughs> chica's got a new hairstyle look at it uh-huh <laughs> it's called uh frazzled bitch <laughs> frazzled bitch <laughs> I mean, she's she's got a rough... It's been a rough time. <laughs> it, should, it has been a rough time for her. So they're getting ready to bed down for the night. Uh, there's... <laughs> I need a Mia. <laughs> yes, need a Mia. He's a good, he was a good little boy this week. So As gets, it turns out, he... He gets to be on camera. He gets to, he gets to be... And this is a Carino Prime sent this. He's here. He, oh, you can see in the reflection, the manga. What if I was looking at something wrong? Oh, no. Oh no! Yeah, Ninomiya reveals all. <laughs> you're just, you're just uh, reading like a uh, blue kill instead. <laughs> kill blue. Oh man, I forgot the name of the series that I don't care about. Hey, you better start, Nick. It's it's the one doing the best so far. No, 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 no. So, 
Not if I reject this reality. <laughs> if I reject it hard enough, it'll stop being popular. <laughs> what if I tell so, everyone? It's worked for me so well in every manga that I've ever hated. What if I tell everybody it's really stupid? Will yeah. that, that convince them? Oh, man, everyone stopped reading after I told them it was bad. Good for me. Everyone's like... I was reading and enjoying it, but this Nick character said it was kind of a stupid series, so I guess it's, it's I guess it is. It's one loser from from Florida said it was bad. <laughs> <laughs> and that guy and that guy liked That guy likes Tinmaku Cinema. I better read that instead. Yeah, oh my god. I mean that does have truth. We can convince people to read okay, Tenmaku Cinema if we don't. Please read Tenmaku Cinema, it's good. <laughs> Uh, there's a cute little moment where Ozma says to Chica, because it's her turn to sleep in the capsule bed, it's like, don't bump your head when you wake up. <laughs> it's very funny to me, because I know he means it earnestly, but, like, she's, like, two feet shorter than you. She, yeah. She's not bumping her head on shit. <laughs> so everyone starts to go to bed, uh, but before they leave, uh, Chica says to Yuzuru, like, hey, I'm gonna really step up tomorrow, so, so good night. And Yuzuru has no idea what she's talking about. So he's like, he's just got like, oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, sure. All right. Uh, Yuzuru has to share a room with Ninamiya tonight. That's the sleeping arrangement. They've got the two bed room. Uh, and so he's just being like, God damn it. Why do I have to share a bed a room with this guy? Uh, so Ninamiya just like starts bringing up to, to him, like, you know, there was no special assignment today, but uh, who knows what's going to happen tomorrow. So, you know, stay on your toes. And user immediately starts glaring at Yeah, me is like, fuck you. I'm fuck not going to say it, but eat shit and die. And Ninamiya just calls him out immediately and says, you have something to say? Say it. And user's like, why are you trying to ramp up the pressure on me when we're fucking going to bed? You're always talking that way to people. You don't consider their feelings. You're always really short and snappy with people. And you just got that dull blank look on your face. And that's what happened to Amatori today. If you've been a little more considerate to her then you wouldn't have needed Ozma to help you communicate what was going on. And this isn't me, a grunt, saying this to my captain. I'm just giving you my objective take, one human being to another, which is such a he's 13 yeah. way of putting that. I was going to say, from the, spoken truly from the heart of a 14-year-old. Granted, a 14-year-old who's seen war, but still. Just... You know, that way that, like, once you realize a mature way of wording things, you think you know the best way to own someone, but it just makes you look like a even more of a little shit. So. I was like, this guy goes into battle in a business suit, all right? He might have actually more maturity than you think. <laughs> he might just be a fucking 48-year-old man trapped in, like, a 19-year-old's body. <laughs> Uh, the reason I participated in the border war is because my mother was Ayushita, the famous title. <laughs> so, Ninomiya sighs so hard that steam comes out of his mouth. Visibly sighs. He's <laughs> like, oh man, we're doing this now. I know we, this would happen eventually. And he just says to Yuzuru, if you've been thinking this the whole time, why didn't you speak up? <laughs> Which is just the most cutting. Thing. And he says, like, yeah, you just kind of waited for Ozma to speak, step in on things. You were just kind of, you could have given Amatory aid, too. Why do you think I'm the only one to blame for her troubles today? How do you think it would have felt for her 
when she was we were losing and losing and losing and you just sat there scowling you're her friend and you were just scowling in silence of God, course, he started panicking. He's so fucking right about this. He's totally 100 billion percent right. And I mean, we didn't like kind of weigh in on this. We were kind of like, oh, Nia, you're being a little bit of a shit. But we did also observe like, this is all coming from user's perspective. And finally, we have the blow up between these two. And user realizes all at once what's going on. He realized, like, oh, that's why Chica went out of her way to talk to me before I went to bed. Yeah. To like promise me as my friend that she would do better, and Yumiya says like, "Look, she's gonna be fine." And look, I plan to say what I did today at some point during the test, regardless of how the battle sims turned out or not. The problem is you. So here's my objective take from one human to another. <laughs> so, buddy, <laughs> it's such it's such a fucking like a cold motherfucking line where it's like. I won't mince words, and I'll even give you a facial expression, just as you... And I know he doesn't add the sass to it, like I know in his words, he's like, I'll even add the facial expression, just like yes. But in my mind, he's Z-snapping through all of this shit, he's like, <laughs> and I'll even give you a little face. And I love his face, which is just kind of going... Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> like, it's such a legitimately angry look, because it's not played up at all, he's just like, fuck you. <laughs> uh, and he says... Do you really think that your sniping talents alone are going to get you on the away mission? When she was flailing around, all you did was just glance at me and seem to just kind of say, like, somebody's got to do something to help her instead of doing taking action yourself. Do you think that there's any room on this mission for someone like that? Amatori said that she wanted to carry out her duties by herself. What's your duty exactly? Are you just going to snipe and hit the target? Can you not think of anything else you should be doing? Are you just going to coast on being the best little junior agent you need to wise up and realize that only flies with Hadohara and Kageyura damn Jesus <laughs> you are not the hot shit <laughs> Nick is there like a, an award at the end of the year for best character death because Nidavia has straight up <laughs> murdered this kid <laughs> but Yuzuru he's a 13 year old or fourteen-year-old, whatever. He doesn't realize that this is that he's lost the battle. <laughs> he's like, I know how to get this one back. If I just say the most hurtful thing I can, then I'll win. <laughs> he's like, I know why Hadahara quit Border now. She quit because you suffocated her with your high and mighty self-righteous attitude. You were all insensitive. And about the way she couldn't shoot people. She gave up on away missions because of you, even though she was super talented and had more of a reason than anyone to go on those missions. And Inamiya decides to confide in Yuzuru a little bit. And he says, she hasn't given up on a thing. She's in the neighborhood. Which is something that I needed to, like, go back and... <laughs> Like you, check on. You forgot what the world building in this world was because we've just been in fucking test exams for the past three years. Well, between that and fucking the giant hiatus the world yeah. trigger was on, it's been like nine years or something like that since this came up. Uh, that Ninami was like the first person to really bring up a lot of what was going on with Hadahara uh, and stuff that he seemingly suspected about what was going on. And he shared a bunch of this stuff with Osamu and the others, but 
we might get some more insight into what he knows, depending on what details he shares with Yuzuru here. Mm -hmm. uh, it seems like he is putting a more positive spin on this in this moment than he was in the past. But I guess we'll see next time when it comes to the series. Oh, man, this is the best <laughs> World Trigger chapter in so long. Uh, <laughs> this might be the best World Trigger chapter since the Osamu beats Ninamiya Squad chapter. Like, I legitimately was like, oh, my God, this was like a full on real chapter. <laughs> like, I know we had to deal with, like, fucking storyline shit for, like, half missions and shit. It was still fine. Uh, but I was like, oh, wait, these are characters with, like personalities and backstories interacting with each other and I, I i loved it it was very very good yeah uh it suddenly makes me realize like oh this is why you know this squad is consisting of these members currently is because there is a very common thread between yuzuru and chica and nina mia so that's why they're all in this one squad together mm -hmm. uh but uh, yeah, having this all this happen and suddenly flipping things around and revealing like, oh no, this isn't about Nina Mia needing to learn to be a better captain. It's about user need to be a better person and friend. So yeah. good stuff. Very good stuff. All right, Nick, it's time for Eden Zero, which means we're going to be talking about chapter 246, Reyna and Wait. Tamiro. <laughs> Do we have to? <laughs> I'll be honest. We can skip a lot of this chapter. This is uh, they they open that red cave, uh, which was like a beach planet. So there's a lot of bikinis and we get to see all the characters in their swimsuits. Yeah. And there's just a lot of stupid fetish jokes and characters losing their swimsuits and all sorts of nonsense. I'm going to try to actually, like, I, I don't know what people would want me to say. Like, oh no, Hamora cuts off Valkyrie's swimsuit. Wow, maybe she's not completely outclassed by Valkyrie. Who knows? The relevant stuff is uh, Hermit is looking up stuff about Joker Helix, because apparently Rebecca's like, yeah, I thought he, I might have known him. He was like a B-cuber or something, but I tried to search for this guy and I couldn't find anything. And they're like, yeah. This guy must be a really, really good hacker because he's like deleted himself off of the entire fucking internet. Like that's wild. Um, he's, he's managed to anti-Streisand himself. Like, do you know how hard it is to delete your presence from the internet? Completely, yeah. <laughs> it's it's incredibly difficult. Uh, Light Ether starts like falling. Everyone's like, "Wow, this is like extremely beautiful." We have Rebecca. Wow, and Cheeky. it's just like what happened in the last loop. Yeah. <laughs> Rebecca and Cheeky jump into the air, and they're like, "Oh wait, it was when I was filming this that we saw Andrew's ship." Oh, there's another ship this time, but it's not Andrew. I don't remember who Andrew was. It was somebody in a ship. Anyway, yeah. this time it's the Interstellar Galactica or whatever the good the the, the, the cop ones, uh, and it's Holy and Eraser, and Holy is in a swimsuit, and I guess Eraser is like a Ken doll. He has no cock. Uh, I was trying to figure that out, too. I was like, is he wearing something or no? <laughs> it doesn't. Does, I was like, is this a full body suit? But I, I think he just erased his cock, which is a plan, I guess, mm, you know? Nah. Um, They go to explain, like, yeah, we are members of this group, but actually... I, just for shits and giggles, here's our real names. She's Reyna. Oh, my God, Nick. That was just, a member of the Eurasian 6 in Rave Master. It's just so thrown in there. It's <laughs> like, by the way, these are our real names. We'll reveal them to you now. Yeah. All right. 
Yeah. Um, but they're just Holy's like, a ridiculous name. Reina. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, they're just like, okay, well, like, why do you guys even know the past worlds at all? No one's supposed to know about that. Holy uses some power, or actually, she hits a button, so they can go to the underwater temple where Nadia is. Nadia in this world isn't like an android that's hooked up to an old machine or whatever. She does refer to herself as an old model, so that chestnut gag gets to continue. But she is basically like the Al Cosmos coordinator of the Interstellar Army. And she's like, yep, I'm I'm pretty cool. I guess I did something different in another world. And they're like, wait, who's this person who could see into the other worlds? And they're like, oh, it's the the director of operations for the for the uh, army in the soccer cosmos, Noah. And they're like, what? Noah? I don't know why this is a shock. We know Noah knows about other worlds. We've that was established in the last world. Why did yes. no one think that? We know that he knows all about these things. Yeah, yes. that's it, why he's called Noah. He's knows about the other. He's worlds. the knower of things. Yes. Wow. Fuck. Do you think that's an actual intentional decision? Um, if I were to give uh hero more credit, I would say that actually, like, it has to do with some form of like travel. You know, like storing things away in an ark. But he's demonstrated no ability to do that in the past, so I think it might just be that <laughs> he just knows things. Uh, that's the chapter, by the way. That's that's yeah. a cliffhanger. It was it's a lot. bunch of fan service. It's a bunch of comments of like, "Wow, it's just like when we were here last time." <laughs> <laughs> Pretty much, like you remember this arc? You're like, I guess it's, it was like what, like three years ago? It's not that long. Uh, and Noah is an important character, which like the series has kind of been pretending has been the case since like he was first introduced in the series but now he actually finally is actually a, an important character uh, whatever it's at this point Eden Zero feels like fan fiction of itself yeah <laughs> <laughs> there's like a what lot if, of and what if Noah were important <laughs> yeah and I was like he was kind of important in the last world he just didn't make his guild important so he didn't do anything but if it's just like the director, like the police chief of that Cosmo. Like, I, I don't know. I feel like they're trying to make the Interstellar Union army like important in this world. I guess it was important in the last one, but I'm just saying her kind of like, I don't care about any of these characters. This is my, this is my even zero story. Holy, whose real name is Reyna. Uh, is... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm just, I, I would like to do some fairy t- or uh, some, some Eden zero fan fiction. Uh, Everyone secretly is named after someone in a previous hero work. Um, and that's it. That's all I really need to that's do. It. Right? That's I it. just change a couple pieces around. Um, um, it's worth- and, uh, and, they, and all the girls were wearing small bikinis. Uh- <laughs> it is worth noting that Hero has another series out right now. Yeah. Yep. There is a new monthly series that uh, is intended to have some level of like a limited serialization. I don't think it's supposed to run for like years and years, uh, but the exact length is unknown. It's called Dead Rock. Um, I haven't heard no announcement of it getting simulpumped. The first chapter is out, so like if you want to find it, you can. Uh, if it gets simulpumped, maybe we'll cover. <sighs> I like the the thought of covering two hero series in a week is like actively painful to me. Um, Sorry, Quinn. But anyway, it'll be okay. 
Um, until that until that announcement happens, we don't have to think about it. But in case y- yeah, yeah. you were like, there isn't enough hero in my life, uh, you can get more with a, a yeah. monthly series. There or, is hey, always more. The the female character does not look identical to Rebecca and Lucy, so that's heresy. Yeah, <laughs> it's bullshit. I'm never gonna read it. How are, we, how are we supposed to tell that it's a hero manga if it's not exactly like every other hero manga? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, maybe we'll look at it at some point. Who knows? Let's talk about Akane Banashi because we do have several other things to talk about. It's story 68. When feelings get too strong. Uh, so Hikaru finishes up her performance using the forbidden technique of using voice acting abilities in Rakugo. Uh, and yeah, it's time for I, the... I, I, as I sit back here, quietly going, boo, <laughs> boo, <laughs> everyone sick. else losing their fucking minds because they're like, this is incredible, this is legitimately awesome. And I'm just like, boo, bring out the dad again. <laughs> <laughs> just <laughs> bring out the chubby dad. I loved him. <laughs> More dads, more dads, more dads. Just a chant that absolutely refuses to catch up. <laughs> no one else is on board. I'm very quickly escorted out by security. And then as I sit on the curb outside the building, I'm just like, I was right. Everyone else was wrong. <laughs> so it's time for Hikaru's uh, scoring. I like that Ziza's, uh, I think his name is Ziza, is just the one person who thinks that it's possible for this to happen. He's like, get a lower score than mine. He's like, they weren't going too wild out there. Uh, And uh, she gets 93 points, which is just ahead of Kaichi, who had 91. Uh, Just a very brief note. She did not score as well with some with one of the judges and with the audience as Kaichi did. So it's not as if she was like just universally better than him. It's just that overall she was. And also in particular, the streaming audience was freaking enraptured by her. She got a full 20 from them. Yeah. Uh, so uh, and that was kind of the prediction was like, oh, the way that she's doing it, it will carry well through uh, across a broadcast this way. But, you know. Uh, her manager is watching things and is like, oh, you know, like she's, you know, keeping very cool and collected. You would think that she would be happier. But Karashi, who is watching the stream, is like, of course, you're not happy yet. Your real opponent is still waiting in the wings. And uh, Akane, who had, by Higaru's request, been watching her Rakugo from very close by, just off stage. Uh, she you know, realized, like, okay, Hikaru has improved this much. And she remembers what she told to her very intimately. Uh, prior to going up there, which is I did this so that I could beat you. And she thinks back to what was, you know, driving her to become a Rakugoka. How, as a kid, she just passionately declared, like, I'm going to be a Shinichi. I'm going to prove that dad's Rakugo was great. Uh, and she calls back to the big thing that was leading into her preparation of this when Maikeru gave her the three options. One which would be uh, disregarding the judging process and get the most out of her nin, her essence. One would be telling a story with easily enjoyable characters that the audience would love. And the third that she chose was to go with the reason I became a Rakugoka, which was to tell a story that would have been in Shinta's wheelhouse. 
and she realizes that Kaichi chose option one out of those three, and Hikaru chose option two. So it's kind of blown things together. Meanwhile, the fourth guy is like, well, what option did I choose? <laughs> yeah, I really waited for that guy to come in and be like, and don't forget the fourth option that was never discussed, the one that would go to the most likable of Rakugokas. <laughs> oh, look at me. I've got a fashionable braid in my hair. None of you have fashionable braids making me the winner. Yeah, this was actually a braid contest. You all are fools. My hairstylist was one of the secret judges, by the way. You can't see his score, but I got a hundred. Yeah, he gave me uh, 70,000, which is very sad because he's given all of you zeros. You never had a chance. (laughs) With his 70,000 point scale compared to the other judges 20, there was no way that you could take advantage of this scaling. Someone starts doing the math like, actually, you still lose. (laughs) He's like, no, no. Well, yeah, when you consider, like, percentiles and stuff, it's like, no, what you, why, why is like, well, yeah, he scored all of you guys out of, like, a billion. It's like, oh, <laughs> 70,000 doesn't seem all that attractive. Oh, <laughs> I gave too many points to my hairstylist. Oh, no. Uh, meanwhile, we see that uh, Maikeru and uh, Garuka are watching the broadcast uh, while the other two apprentices have, you know, for work commitments and stuff. Uh, but Maikeru says, like, out of everyone who's here i wanted you to see akane's performance uh but he doesn't really understand why but before he can get clarification on that shigama comes in uh and uh you know he starts talking with them and my my says like oh yeah she's she's gonna perform the story i just taught her next and shigama asks what it is and he says changing time it was her choice and shigama thinks back to when shinto was teaching my the story which was, was like, oh, he's, he's like, you know, like observing it quietly from around the corner. It's very sweet. So he sits down to watch it with them. Yep. Uh, and uh, yeah, it's the big lead up. We get you know, this big, like the MC is getting into it. It's like, oh, this is the final performance without further ado. And Akane ties her hair up and she says, here I go, dad. And she heads out to perform. Shigama thinks about their time together, how he has watched her grow, which is very cool. We see, you know, like how she stayed determined as she's been growing up and stuff. But he thinks to himself, like, her feelings never wavered. And the fact that she's gained so much skill shows you the strength of those feelings. But when feelings get too strong, they can become shackles that hold you down. And there is a very sinister aura in the shape of her father behind her, which is like, oh, that's not good. <laughs> so essentially, Shigma says, like, look, this is a crucial moment. You know, how does she view Shinta's art today? To her, this performance could be a watershed moment for her life as a Rakugoka. And she starts her performance, gives a, her little introduction to the audience. And that is where we leave off is right before Akane will start to do her story. Yeah, the next chapter is going to be super interesting. I really want to see what her interpretation of the story is. We know that she had kind of a weird angle of being like, oh, I, you know, like this story is about like talking to your like family. Well, I'm just going to pretend to have a conversation with my dad. And you're like, your dad's still alive. This isn't sad at all. (laughs) Your dad's still alive. Um, So there's like a lot of complicated feelings there and maybe we'll finally get to start exploring them to some extent. That would be wild. This is this is the away mission arc of Akane Vinashi. It's just confronting that her father is still alive. 
the away mission arc of uh, of Akane Banashi. The away mission arc, which has been going on for longer than all of Akane Banashi. Oh, like three times over, but still. <laughs> uh, let's move on from there to Blue Box, uh, Chapter 107, Your Style of Love, Chi. And uh, yeah, so as we know, at this point, Junatsu and Taiki are very secretly dating. Uh, we see, you know, Taiki is you know participating in Batman practice as they're kind of like getting back into the swing of things from the new year. Uh, Haru is kind of kicking Taiki's ass in a practice match, uh, and uh, he you know gives him some advice while kicking his ass, like, "Hey, look, you got some good moves, but you're as the rally continues, you're losing focus. You're taking your eye off the shuttlecock." Uh, and hey, there's new first years coming in the spring. There's going to be qualifiers for nationals really soon. So use your time wisely. So, hey, it's all right, though. It's not like there's a new thing in Taiki's life that'll potentially cause him to split his attention. Oh, right. He has a girlfriend now. <laughs> uh, he uh, runs into Chinatsu when he goes into, you know, like the public uh, uh, restroom area just to like, kind of like clean his face off. She gives him a towel and stuff. She says, like, oh, he was kind of, like, pushing pushing you really hard. And he's like, no, no, it's okay. I, I just want to prove it's fine. But uh, um, she kind of, like, quietly stares at him for uh, a second. And when he asks what's going on, she says, uh, oh, I'm going to go see Karen today. Is it okay if I tell her about us? You know, because I've, like, gotten some, like, good love advice from her and stuff. It's like, like I mean, yeah, okay. Just, sure. you know, make sure she doesn't tell her little sister or her boyfriend. And she's like, yeah, okay. Wasn't that addressed at some point? I feel like they talked about that earlier, that she does. Or that it always comes out. Or is it the inverse, that her little sister couldn't hide anything? Her little sister absolutely could not find anything. There is no way Ayame could keep a secret in any form. (laughs) I was just vaguely, I was like, I feel like there was some conversation that happened about, like, the two of them and not being able to keep secrets. And that that does seem like the more likely way for it to go. Uh, but, you know, it's just like a casual little conversation they have where she's like, hey, I know we're keeping this a secret. Can I tell my friend who kind of knows about this already? Yeah. It's like, yeah, it's a very nice way of handling it. This entire conversation, by the way, is extremely cute because <laughs> of the fact that, like, it happens immediately. She's like, fucking finally. <laughs> <laughs> Karen, she meets Karen at a restaurant tells her like right away after she's kind of like blushing through she's like i've got a boyfriend and karen's be like is it psyche yeah did he ask you out yeah <laughs> give me a pizza give me some french fries yeah she just, just like the entire menu <laughs> she immediately starts doing that uh i think you should leave bitch she's like i need 55 pizzas 55 fries 55 hamburgers 55 milkshakes 55 <laughs> and she's like wait are we are we eating all that? And Karen's like, I'm eating all of it. <laughs> I'm celebrating this. Like this, she cares about Chinatsu's love life so much that she's like, this is a proud moment for me. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you got a boyfriend. I love it. She's like, oh my God, you were both so cautious. I was nervous for you. Yeah. And uh, she's like, oh my God, you know, the fact that this is happening, he must be a really good guy. And Chinatsu just like, thinks about Taiki and she's like yeah he's so earnest and I just kind of think about how I want to cherish him so that he can smile and stuff and that kind of takes Karen back a little bit she's like oh you're talking about cherishing him instead of like wanting to be cherished so so much that you want to cherish him that's that must be like your style of love 
and she nods just like, mm, yeah, I guess maybe it is. Love. What's love? <laughs> so yeah, and freaky. she's just like, she sees it, and she's like, oh my god, it's love. You guys are in love. Like, she's. Give me more food! <laughs> yeah, she's like, I need 55 steaks, 55 fries, 55 taters. <laughs> oh, man. And uh, she says something actually kind of dirty, which is the steamy passion of a new couple is going to cook me like a well done steak. <laughs> like, this is hot. It's uh, so great. I I love it because she's just like, oh my god, this is so sl- Wait a minute. <laughs> you two are living together. Oh no. <laughs> is this gonna be okay? <laughs> and Chinatu starts blushing really hot. <laughs> and she's like, no, 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 we haven't done anything. It's not. Oh my god, I want to do things with him. <laughs> like she says it really innocently. She's like, oh my god. I want to touch Taiki. <laughs> it's so cute. Her face when she says that to someone. And she's just like, I'd love to touch his big, strong hands and his it's, hair. It's, I just uh, put my hands in his hair. I mean, is it okay if I touch him? I'm his girlfriend. Oh, God, I sound like a pervert. <laughs> this sweet angel has never experienced. She's never been a horny before and she doesn't know how to do it. And it's adorable. And Karen just like, oh my god, you're horny now, yeah. Uh, yes. It's a relief that you have hormones, yes. <laughs> but she's like, I've never seen you like this before, and and you know, she's like, are you enjoying this? Like, yes, this is fun. <laughs> but she's it's it's really sweet because like she's having getting a lot of entertainment this, but she's also being like very sweet and supportive towards her too. It's like, no, no. It is good that you are feeling these things. It's fine for you to feel these things as well at the same time. And uh, then just because we can't end the note on just like, oh, and Chinatsu's kind of horny and her friend is supportive. Then the last page is she gets back home and uh, she stares at him for a second. And Taika's like, is everything okay? And Chinatsu's just like, nothing. Turns away, goes up the stairs. <laughs> now we she, know what she's thinking yeah. when she looks at him that she's way. She's just like, I can touch his hair. I want to touch his hand. <laughs> oh my god. She's so fucking adorable. This is actively painful at times. Like You're just like, oh my god, it's too fucking cute. This is like that bit where we, when uh, we had like the explicitly romantic moments and we never learn where uh, Yuigo would stare at a girl's lips and it's like this is sexier than all the fan service in that scene. This is like legitimately actually erotic in a good way. Uh, because it's just about her feelings as opposed to like and any mention of like anything actually overtly sexual. So yeah, it's like, hey, passion, horny teenagers want to be horny teenagers. Yes. Yeah. And it's fun. Too, and it's so. it's very fun to see her interpretation of which like as like the joke is like, oh, she's being a little pervy now. But like again, like it's the most chaste thing she could possibly I wanna touch his hands and maybe his hair. Uh, and it's just there's something so fucking cute about all of it. And she's just yeah. like blushing the whole time. She's like, ah, it's very, very cute. Cypher Academy. <sighs> Chapter 30. Just because military funds are high doesn't mean they're noble. Yep. What? That's a true. That's actually uh, a true sentiment I've heard before. Yeah. <laughs> so. 
I think it was uh, a Far Side comic that used that that, that <laughs> reference before. Uh, so there is a puzzle right at the beginning of this. Uh, I figured out that there was Morse code on it, uh, and I figured out that the words, the letters were B, O, E, and N, but I thought it was like, what? Is it bone or something? It's like, no, no. Japanese word for cemetery, bowen, which I guess bone also applies to. There are bones in a cemetery. Uh-huh. So, uh, Toge has gotten this message and, uh, she takes it to Anonymi requested, uh, who, and they kind of talk about it for a bit. And, uh, she's like, all right, I guess I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna head out. I'm gonna go to the graveyard and stuff. And Anonymi requested is like, I mean, you know who it is that probably called you in, right? Given that it's a bloodstained message and stuff. I know that you're working with your Hazaka Toshisai. Uh, what are you planning to do, though? And she says, something ridiculous. So Anonymity requests after she heads off goes, well, it's not like I'm in a position to be worrying about other people. I need to decide where I stand as well before we get involved with Class F. And she takes off her glasses weapon to reveal her face and thinks to herself, service to the readers. So it's like, I, all right. <laughs> I do I do kind of like the notion, though, that she doesn't wear that her glasses weapon around her classmates anymore. Like, she's fine with the seeing her face. But she's like, but I'm going to wear it around a Kagoe. I don't trust her. Yeah. Fair enough. There is a very nice, brief, ridiculous note of every time a student enters into Cypher Academy, a grave is simultaneously prepared this for This is so fucking metal. This is the most metal detail in this entire fucking manga. Uh, so the person who Kagoe is meeting is Sepun Zekuraguchi, uh, the uh, private leading private of class D who is asking Kagoe to betray them and join and join them up, up with them instead. And so, uh, yeah, Sipun's like, you know, you could die tomorrow without leaving behind a will. Though even if one were to die without leaving a message behind, the voices of the dead will always reach us. We're Class 1D, the dying message decoding class. I know they had revealed this detail before. I didn't realize this was going to be like an entire class of like little yeah. fucking gods who are just like, <laughs> you don't understand the dead speak to us. We hang out in graveyards. We're so fucking cool. And they're right. These characters are extremely cool so far. Oh, man. So, yeah, Sipun's like, I mean, hey, you know, what do you want to have taken to your grave? Like, oh, acquiring the 50 billion more crypto assets to stop half the world's wars. How would I decode a made up story like that? As in, I know what you've been saying to Rosaka and I know it's bullshit, basically. Uh, so Goe says like, hey, you know, people say that humans and humanity and war are inseparable. Uh, and like, there's all sorts of different developments in technology and medicine and everything that are possible because of war. And they're right. But on the other hand, you can also say that without peaceful eras, when people's lives are threatened, then sports, music, dance, and everything would never have been either. And Sepun says, I bet it'd be hard to serialize a rom-com manga in a prosperous era. <laughs> all right. <laughs> Fair enough. Okay. <laughs> So, Go is like, you know, I, I understand, like, you know, that, like, look, I think tanks and missiles are cool, but I also, my heart goes out to Archimedes, who got wrapped up in wars. Everyone, 
in this series speaks so extra they are incapable of not being extra when they talk uh so she says like my dream is technical control over sustainable wars but i can't say this too loudly all right so yeah yes she is a morally gray character i get it and Sepuin's like that's a genius idea but it's also an inhuman one uh, an inhuman one sorry that's all the more reason that you should join my class considering how class d will win the grade white leader tournament and so Koa's like all right anyway what's your dream to build a pyramid <laughs> i when i saw this when i read this first i just kind of like paused and i was like <laughs> i'm gonna turn this well, page and the most wild shit is going to start getting explained. I was not wrong. I was I was very satisfied by the explanation we get. But just that that page turn of my dream is to build a pyramid. I'm like, okay, let's okay. see how this goes. Cypher Academy was created as preparation for the next world war, which I think will be the end of humanity. In which case, these graves will be enough for everyone. Therefore, I want to use the crypto assets to create a pyramid as large as Mount Everest, capable of housing 7.7 .7 billion people, kings, slaves. There will be no distinction between anyone. I will name it the Cypher Pyramid. That is my nightmare holy shit what a fucking little freak oh my Kigoi god immediately says that sounds like a ridiculous joint burial don't try and undercut this shut the fuck up that <laughs> is the most ridiculous thing <laughs> she also refers to it as very human I don't know about that <laughs> yeah she's like I now find you more likable I'm like okay so uh so yeah she says like look your genius is going to be necessary for the cyber brain battles that are to come <laughs> so if you're to switch over to us i could prepare a suite for you within the cypher pyramid that's not you'll have a big section for yourself when you die it's yeah it's cool <laughs> But she says, like, I'll support your dream, just like the execution of a dying message. War as you like until humanity goes extinct. And Kuroi's like, all right, well, that part sounds pretty good. I do like that. Sorry, though. I choose good people over good stories. People so good, they'll actually believe the lies I tell, even if it means they'll die like dogs. That's actually pretty cool. Mm -hmm. Like, I'm a bad person. But I prefer to ally myself with good people because they believe my bullshit is such a great fucking everyone lies kind of character motivation thing. Uh, and she also says, like, look, my dream is, you know, because Iroha believes in me, you can become a hero even without fighting. That's my dream. So, yeah, she's a duplicitous asshole. And this is why she works with these people who are actually much more morally light. So mm -hmm. uh, she leaves the meeting. Uh, and as she comes back into the school, she runs to Duro Hazaka and, and Toshisai. And Toshisai and Mia's like, ah, returning from a meeting with Class D, huh? Let me guess. They made you a nice offer and you weighed the pros and cons of both sides, like always. And Kugo is like, yep, I can never hide anything from you. You know me so well. Bye. <laughs> I love it. So, I, I, I do genuinely love it. Ever, like, I understand this series is not for everybody, but I have come to really appreciate these characters and their interactions. Like, I, I haven't really been, like, a big Kagoe fan, but I think this chapter did a lot to, like, kind of endear her to me as, like, 
you really are just like a happy duplicitous kind of person like you're just you're fine with kind of writing that line and i'm okay with that yeah it's that thing that has to be tackled occasionally by certain by certain series of hey we've got the untrustworthy character how can we explain to you the audience that you can trust the untrustworthy character at least for the time being and this is a pretty good explanation because it's very in character uh for her just like no she's not trustworthy but that's why she's with the people that she's with because she likes them more that's mm -hmm. just it so hey let's talk a bit about i said gill it's uh yes chapter two of this manga memories and liches uh, we have met Gil, who was our axe-wielding uh, lich-slaying adventurer. He's going around uh, and in his weird boat thing. Uh, and I am not going to go through every single thing that time that this happens. But there's a lot of moments in this where Flo moves in a very jittery way. Like It's like, I, I feel like frames skip at certain points when reading this chapter and it's things like just kind of jump back and forth. Like there's a bit where he's playing with a bird and he just suddenly goes, I'm a fire breathing dragon. Cause he's, you know, his breath is fogging up, but it was like, Wait, what, what, what happened? Oh, that happened. Cause he's talking to a bird. Got yeah. it. And there's just a lot of stuff like that. That happens. He comes across a lodge, uh, where there's a guy who was collapsed inside. He cares for him and also cooks some food and stuff. And, uh, the guy tries to kick him out because, you know, he is a stranger in his home. Uh, but then a little girl comes in and the little girl says, big brother, you got to help me find my big sister, big brother, big brother. And he's like, I'm not your big brother. I got so confused by this because I thought it was just a character trait. Like he calls everybody like older sibling. And then I found out eventually like, oh, he actually is kind of her big brother. And it was like trauma. Yes. Why he didn't say that? Yes. Uh, so the little girl whose name is Heidi says like, Oh, my big sister and brother Rod, we're supposed to be engaged. Uh, I, love, I love her voice. Oh, my name's Heidi. My name's Heidi. Oh, I'm a little girl. I'm a little girl. This is my little girl voice. You're not going to get any better. than mm -hmm. this." <laughs> so she says like, Oh, Allison, my big sister, all the guys wanted to marry her, but she turned on everyone and she said, she chose my big brother. Who's not her big brother. It's, she just calls him that because they have a close relationship. But he says that they don't because he is grief stricken and he's like drinking himself to death and stuff. That is presumably why he was collapsed earlier is that he's been drinking heavily. Uh, and uh, so he says like, yeah, she went wandering into the woods uh, a week ago and uh, it was the day before we were supposed to be married. And since then, a bunch of people in the village have seen her leading men into the forest night after night. Uh, so Gil's like, oh, but Heidi said her big sister was looking forward to getting married. And Rin's just like, uh, I was just naive. And she's still believing Alice's lies. And Heidi's like, I came in at this moment and she's not a liar. No one believes me. I got to find her. Uh, so Gil's like, Mr. Rudd, we've got to go find her. And Rudd's like, uh, I don't care. It's going to be fine. And Gil's like, listen. If your fiance started acting weird all of a sudden, that reminds me of my dad. He suddenly became a different person one day because he was possessed by a lich from hell. He was like, liches don't exist. Yeah, they do. Liches can take over people's bodies. Next page. Oh, she was taken over by a lich. What a shocking development. Uh, and uh, she is, in fact, dressed in her wedding gown. And there is a sword plunged into her stomach. And she's carrying a 
bearded man demon thing's head around in her other hand. And they, they apparently are both liches who work in tandem somehow. Uh, she attacks Heidi. Gil shows up. They start fighting. And Gil's like, oh, I got to find a way to, you know, stop her without hurting her too much. That's a thing. He says that I'm going to try and, you know, tie her up without hurting her too much. They fight for a little bit. He manages to take them by surprise because when they try and attack him, he like dives into the snow, disappears, and then snags the chain that they're using, and then he uses the chain to uh, wrap them up, tie them to a tree. And uh, so uh, Rudd says, Allison, are you really never going to come back? And uh, Allison's like, ah, I killed this woman. Her body's mine now. And uh, Rudd's like, all right, sorry, Gil, can I leave her to you? You know, Guess she's not coming back. You know, she, she said no. Uh, after I tried, tried my best. So Rudd, <laughs> Gil rather, pours a barrel of alcohol on the two of them. Uh, and he's like, oh, this is going to be bad. I'm going to dream about severed heads and stuff. Uh, and then he puts a ring on, on uh, Allison's finger and says, Mr. Rudd wanted to give this to you. I don't pity liches. I feel bad for the person who truly owns that body and to Heidi and Rudd. And then Allison starts to go, where's Heidi? Her memories from being a human come back. But then they start getting corrupted by the lich who took her over her body. She's like, oh, no. Oh, Rudd was the only one who cared about Heidi. All the other men thought that she was a nuisance, but he actually cared about her. I'll kill them. I'll kill everyone who doesn't like Heidi. And so Gil's like, oh, well, better set her on fire. <laughs> wow. We did all we could. <laughs> I mean, look, I tried for five minutes to talk her down, and uh, it wasn't taking. So I guess I got to kill him. Uh, no cure for this. So, uh, and then Rudd's like, "Hey, thanks for you know murdering my fiance, so I didn't have to." Um, and then he fixes up uh, Gil's boat thing so that it's got uh, runners like ski things on it, so they can travel on land, I guess. And he's like, "And I've decided to adopt Heidi as my little sister." Bye, Gil. Yeah, the chapter. <laughs> um, I, 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 I like in theory what this chapter did. Like, I think the story is fine as like the opening to kind of set up a bit of the tone of the world. This is very somewhat similar to what happened last week, but I don't know, maybe a little bit more intimate because Gil feels very like I don't know. I guess like Vash the Stampede right now, where this is just like mm. a lone wanderer who shows up in locations and then like becomes a character in the story for a little bit, and you know. I feel like that's how we're going to play it. He doesn't have, like, a, a second anymore after the first chapter. But it's just, despite that, like, in theory, all of it work, it just doesn't for me. I just, I, I felt a little dry with everything. Um, nothing really stuck out. And I'm in this place where I feel like I almost wish this was in a different magazine. Because maybe it would have more... I don't know. It just feel different there. Whereas, like with Jump, I just like, I'm going to constantly compare this to everything else that's in this magazine right now. Yeah, it's it feels like you can feel at certain points like things just aren't landing in a certain mm -hmm. way. Uh, you can see if you like looking at it as a whole, as a whole, you can see like okay, you know, this is kind of a a good like introductory level plot in order to kind of like establish some like you know one a nice one-off stakes to get to know like the way that the tragedy of this world and what gill is trying to accomplish by combating liches and stuff but 
there's just like individual moments that feel like they should have impact that just are not there throughout this. It feels like it almost feels like it goes through the motions to accomplish stuff instead of like letting there be standout moments that really take you your attention and draw you in. Uh, and I, I think that's just a matter of like, look, it, it's it feels like this is just kind of like an early attempt at a manga that's just not quite refined yet. Uh -huh. Um. So yeah, uh, maybe it'll get better. But here's to chapter three, turning it all around. We got yeah, like we'll see. four more series to discuss. We yep. have very little time. Marshall Master Asumi is next. It's round three, all rounder. Uh, so Asumi is in the midst of a sparring session with Yoshitaka, who is kind of the coach of Nao's gym and also her dad. Uh, and uh, Asumi, there's kind of been a break in between rounds when after Asumi escaped a, a grapple. And uh, Yoshitaka acknowledges like, hey, look, you know, I, I need to step up my game. So we're going to do a full three minute round this time. And Nao's like, yep, OK. And uh, uh, Asumi is like, ah. Uh, so he starts engaging again immediately gets his leg kicked out from under him uh he's like shit like there's more to keep in mind here that i'm used to because i'm not used to fighting this way you can kick in mma you can do all sorts of grapples you can do punches and strikes and stuff uh he tries to kind of like run around and just wait for uh and just like run out the clock but he doesn't have the room to do so it suddenly feels like the ring is much smaller because yoshitaka is like boxing him in uh and he tells him like look You've got to know everything in MMA. You're not. You can't just be good at ground fighting because that's not going to stop an MMA fighter. And he keeps on kicking at him, and you know, and Asumi's just like, I gotta find something that I can grab. The onlookers are realizing, like, yeah, this is Asumi's weakness is that he's just only good at ground game grappling. Uh, so Asumi decides, like, okay, I gotta try and put stuff together. I'll put together like you know the basic punch sequence and stuff that I was learning. He goes for some punches, goes for a low kick. But as he's doing so, he's clearly off balance. Yoshitaka is like coaching him, even though they're sparring with each other and just trying to get him to, go, to tighten up and everything. But he realizes like he's got good instincts and everything. And then as he starts to rev things up, uh, he presses in and starts to take uh, Yoshitaka uh, Osumi to the ground, drives him into a corner, and starts punching him in the gut. But as he does this, finally, Osumi gets a. Uh, an opening, and because he's been through a lot of brutal training in his past already, he's able to endure it, slip to the ground, grab Yoshitaka by the ankle, use his leg for leverage, and trip him up with a tripod sweep, goes into a mount, but Yoshitaka's like, I'm also a black belt in, in jujitsu, and so they start ground grappling, and we get my favorite part of this series so far, which is transitioning between holds very yeah. quickly. Like I, I suddenly immediately started imagining Brian Danielson wrestling matches as they go between different holds as uh, Asumi is trying to go for something that'll sink in. He goes for an arm bar that doesn't work. He goes for an oplata. He goes for a roulette sweep, sweep and eventually ends up in a triangle choke. Uh, and so now I realize like, yeah, this is, you know, MMA. Yes, you do have to be good at everything. And Nito falls way behind Dad in striking and a lot of different stuff. But if he can just make his one advantage work for him, he could win this. And Asumi is like, I was never going for a tie. I don't even know what the stakes of this fight were, but I'm going to do this. My first bout with someone outside my family. And this is fun. And he goes for a, a like a triangle arm bar and... 
he grips the fingers with one of his hands uh, and immediately Yoshitaka is like, whoa, whoa, whoa! <laughs> and now interferes in the fight and stops it. It's like, no, 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 Nito. That's small, that's joint manipulation. That's illegal in this wrestling match and, and you can't do that. Uh, so uh, Asumi realizes, like, oh, 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 sorry, sorry. I didn't realize that was a foul. And he thinks that he's lost because of that. And uh, Yoshitaka is like, hey, it's just point deductions and we weren't actually playing for points. It's a time up, which means it's a tie, which means you do win. And uh, he's like, I can't believe I lost to a kid who doesn't even know the rules of this. So everyone's absurdly impressed with him at this point. And uh, his, assuming his friend comes over, is like, you should do this. This is like your stage. And he starts to realize, like, did my entire life actually prime me to get into this? And as, but as he starts getting more and more, you know, uh, praise and analysis and something, suddenly a voice comes in and says it's a sumi style mixed martial arts or so our grandpa started calling our household style the kid here just slacks up when it comes to training and anything other than grappling don't you has it really been five years you've grown are you gonna join me in doing mma and it appears that this would be Asumi's brother who got a brief mention uh in the first chapter and uh so hey there's there's a big hook is like it looks like he's being introduced as this kind of uh, uh antagonistic figure to begin mm-hmm. with so this is i feel like the best chapter of this manga so far it was a really nice action sequence that built to a satisfying climax uh and i got really into it at this point uh i don't know if i want to keep on reading this but this definitely i felt feel like was the best uh example of the promise that the series can show so far yeah i think this was a good chapter um but this is chapter three which is where we have to ask ourselves as as we do a recap do we want to keep covering this in the recap um and i i am glad someone pointed it out that this is the same author from uh hira sumo i think it was called Hiramazumo, yeah um because it does have a similar feel to that, where I, I thought Hiromozuma was good at times, uh, but then like kind of reached a point where I just couldn't click with it the same way. Mm-hmm. I couldn't really place it, and I have that same vibe here, where I feel like there are points where I'm like, I think I, I like this. Like I, it's doing really cool stuff. Like as you mentioned, the grapple uh, or the uh, yeah the grapple exchanges that they're doing. I was like, this is pretty cool and it captured the fun of mma in one of those moments where he, he manages to sink in the lock i was like this is this is good um but i'm still not like enamored with the series in that way so i don't know i i i can go either way with this mm-hmm. um i'm kind of right there with you i'm like kind of thumb in the middle kind of wavering right now uh but it was i will definitely say like I was leaning downward uh, prior to this chapter, and now I'm very much just like, I can literally just go either way. Maybe we can like keep an eye on it uh, and potentially come back to it if it like starts to look more interesting to talk about uh, down the line. We are going to be missing a, a series from the recap uh, uh-huh. very shortly, so maybe there will be an opening uh, where we'll want to consider that, but yeah. we'll see. All right, well, uh, we'll do that. Let's, oh, God, New Exorcist. We'll put it, 
Yep, we'll put a pin. We'll put a pin in, in, in MMA for now. New Sexorcist Chapter Eight: Hollow Weapons. They're just called Hollow Weapons. Okay. Yep. We're yeah. not gonna make any co no comments. No comments. None. Not. 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 Not saying anything. Nothing. <laughs> uh, we get a flashback at the beginning of this chapter from Shiro's perspective, basically just like what she is going to do, where she's trying to forge a contract with her uh, by the. Uh, by the elder of her clan's uh, instruction, and he says, I share your field of vision, so you don't need to concern yourself with sending reports back to me. Okay. Uh, but also, we just kind of get forced on her, like, look, she is fully dedicated to this because there's this guy telling her if she can't accomplish her mission, her existence is meaningless. Yay! Uh, and uh, there's a fight going on in the present. Uh, that whole thing where, like, I joked about, like, what if they just start playing video games with her weapon? No, uh, they're they're <laughs> fully just fighting. Uh, Nui yeah. is just g giving Yajima a piggyback ride while dodging around stuff. Uh, and basically just like, no, 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 just save your strength while I handle this. And uh, uh, they're fighting, they're chasing Nui around while she protects Gakuro. And uh, she's like, oh, yeah, you know, the, the, they're, the, they're trying to avoid causing commotion while they get me. Uh, and you can't change into your soul gear, can you? And, and Gakuro's like, oh, how did that happen? And he was like, oh, they drained your power while we were gaming. <laughs> yeah, you think right. it was weird that you she let you sit on her lap? That was absolutely you steal energy through the crotch, you little weirdo. You do. <laughs> Oh, man. I mean, honestly, why would Gakuro think that it's weird that girls are touching him all the time? It's happened in, like, every chapter in yeah. this series so far. Every girl is trying to hook him up with every other girl. It's like a, it's like a harem where every girl's like, I I don't want to be the winner, but I'd like over there. you to be Go the over winner. there. Yeah. It's just all a bunch of wingmen for each other. Um, Nui does a rather absurd full limbo in order to dodge an attack, and it's like, okay, but how are her legs actually that long that Kakuro's not touching how are they the not, How are they that strong? Like, what the fuck? She did, like, a, she does, like, a full matrix drive and just kind of hangs there afterwards. And then she kicks it with her free hand while she's still fully bridged backwards and still maintains her balance. And then an attack comes out of the ground and she spins around it. So, you know, she's just following no sense of physics at all whatsoever. Fucking, it's fine. She's a ghost. God damn. Her thighs must be like ridiculously strong. Like the squats she must be doing. Uh, she refers to Zenri, the weapon that uh, uh, is being wielded by Shiroha as a hollow weapon. Weapons used by exorcists and some spirits and are inherent to each individual. Your sword is one too, although it's still growing. Uh, and then Yajima's like, I'm sorry, I'm weak. And Nui's like, hey, it's okay, you want to get stronger, but don't feel ashamed because, you know, you're eventually going to have to fight people who are str like strong like Shiroha. And in order to create this situation, I deliberately went to meet you in the classroom because I wanted this to happen. Whoa. What? what? She's organizing all of this. She's like a chess master, Nick. Yeah. Horsey moves two spaces. Two yeah. and an up. It's a, little, it's a little chaos, bitch. She's like, yeah. I don't like to follow the rules. That's the horse place. All right, so I got to move this horse in an L, but is it an uppercase L or a lowercase L? And how do you draw your Ls? Do you do them in a straight line or do you curve the tip of the end? 
my point is I don't know how to play chess. So, uh, <laughs> uh, then like, um, uh, so Kyokatsu, the spirit guy, uh, unleashes his true form for some reason. And it's a horned thing that you don't really get a good look at anyway. And it comes after Nue and a bunch of spikes come towards her, but they stop right around her body. Uh, but then Shiroha is like, oh, are you not trying to get away? Not that I'll let you get away. Oh. We lost Nick for a little bit here. He'll come back any second now. Hado, I mean NBO. There we go. Okay. He's back. So, He's back, everybody. Right. You can't I stop me. You just said it. I think we're fine. Yep. Yeah. So uh chains get summoned, crows get summoned and stuff, and Nui is like, it doesn't look like it, but it's a high level jutsu. That doesn't look very impressive, but it is. Like, thanks, Nui. I did like that. I was like, kind of shitting on this thing, isn't it? Like, it doesn't look impressive, but this is actually a very strong move. Or maybe it's like setting the scales kind of low. Like, look, this is like when it's crazy. So don't expect me to draw anything wild. All right. Like, just don't. Yeah. So uh, Nui is like coaching Yajima while she does this fight by herself which is like hey so in order to counter in times like these you've got to either run or you got to destroy the Shikigami using a hollow weapon and right now running away would be best but you don't run even when you should so let me show you what to do and she calls forth a hollow weapon hollow weapon number three Xenoblade which is a large blade that is like not very it's a lot like, you know... the Was Zeno not the name Halo. of the character from the first chapter? The guy in his underwear? I think it might have been. I don't okay. Know. Is it uh, intentional that this sword is named after him? I don't know. So she cuts about... <laughs> she cuts up all the Shikigami. She slices up Kyokatsu too, all in a sudden flash. And Shiro's like, shit, this girl's strong. We weren't prepared enough. And is like, yeah... So he was, Kyokasu was commanding a clone from far away. So what do you got to do next? And Shiro just thinks back to what the Elder Toro was like. Oh, you're just me if you don't do this. So she's like, I can still fight. Nui is just flash stepped in front of her, puts her hand on the spear and is like, let's call it a day with this and starts to disintegrate it with her bare hand. And she says, hey, seems like you're in a tight spot. So how about I offer you a solution? So Nui is soups strong. That's the point of the chapter. She is overbearingly strong. Uh -huh. she, like nothing is a threat to her at this point in the story. So that's where we are. Uh, yep. Okay. End yeah. of chapter. Uh, I would say more, but oh, holy shit. I need this episode to end. So let's talk about Tenmaku Cinema. It was a bad chapter. It's uh, scene 12, an actor's disposition. Nagisa is getting costume fittings done uh, because, you know, they've got to freaking like decide what costume she's... Not Nagisa, but uh, Karai for Nag the role of Nagisa is getting costumes fitted and stuff like that. There is a brief little establishing shot uh, where we see that uh, the sisters kind of like wanted to hang out with Akitsu in, in exchange for, you know, borrowing all of their clothes for the shoot and stuff. Uh, and then they're like, all right, so we've got to do an outdoor shoot. It's summer break, and it's going to be very different from how we're shooting in school. So Grai is fully in costume, in character as Nagisa. And 
Diet, uh, I forget his name currently. I haven't memorized it yet. But the guy who we established is going to be playing the role of her childhood friend is has got like black hair dye for the for the role. Yeah, and he is friend guy. Weird. Friend guy. Uh, so uh, Shinichi's like, hey, I'm counting on you and stuff. Beto. They also have a plan. Beto. Uh, I think though I'm also lagging again. So Beto is uh, in costume and everything. They've got a plan to hide Karai with a giant umbrella if uh, onlookers come by. And uh, then they're like, okay. So Beto's like, uh, um, uh, 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 uh. He's very nervous. Yeah. He's, he's stumbling over his lines. And uh, as they're going through the takes, they're like, they keep on screwing up. They keep on having to pause in order to hide uh, Karai from onlookers. And Beto is just getting more and more like, oh my god reacted before how am i going to do this i'm ruining everything i'm reacting against Timeki, who is really 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 good what uh, and everyone's counting on me everyone's waiting on me to get my lines right uh so like okay look we're not using film we can shoot as many times as we need to just take it easy from the top and so Beto finally gets the lines out. He goes through, you know, just a, a quick little uh, sequence, and he's and he's, you know, says this line like, "Hey, I, I know that you're wearing like your mom's old clothes," and correct. Uh, and Nagisa's line is, "So what if they are? You just need to come with me." Yeah, I will, since nobody in the town knows how reckless you are except for me. And uh, so Beto's like, "Yes, I delivered all my lines. I did it." And then Shinichi calls for cut, and he says like, "Hey." first part's fine we need to retake the last half and your facial expressions aren't there and he does like i mean yeah i'm an am amateur uh and uh but everyone's like look you can do this yeah uh he's like but you can't expect a great performance from me i'm an amateur he's like no 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 look i don't need a performance from you and he says to him like look why did nagisa skip school on a weekday to go to tokyo well she wanted to visit her mom yeah because her mom disappeared in her childhood. She comes from a family that's controlled the local area for a long time. Her mom marries into the family that has a strained relationship with them. And Nagisa is five when her mom disappears. And now she wants to see her mom come home. So what kind of feelings were behind the lines you said? And Bita's like, I mean, I don't know what the feelings were behind them. I was just really focused on not messing them up. I, 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 I'm not cool under pressure like Shimada. And Hajime's like, that's right. You don't need to act. And he turns to Akitsu to explain. He's like, hey, what kind of guy is Shimada? And Akitsu's like, uh, he's a nice one. He goes along with all of Nagisa's demands. He's a caring person. Hajime's like, yes, he's a caring person like Bito. And he explains to him like, hey, remember when we were younger, when everyone's friend groups were all, were all together there was one person who still accepted me when I was sickly and out of the group. You just came over to me while I was drawing. You got into me and you just started hanging out with me. You're kind. Whenever I read Shimada's lines in the script, I think of you. That's why I chose you for this role. You don't need to act. Just grasp the emotions of the scene. Talk like you normally would. That's the way to do it. It's very nice. This and is of so course, sweet. We don't even know this boy, and we're getting like emotions for him. And yeah, they do the scene one more time, and Beto realizes, like, okay, this is what I need to do. And he, it just comes out. And he's like, oh, that felt like how I would say that line. And Hajime's like, good job, one million points. And uh, the, so and cute. like, 
they're really happy with each other and stuff. And and yeah, Tenmaku's looking over everything. Is like Hajime gets it. He understands intuitively what you need to do in order to get the most out of people and what a role is to assign for them. I'm looking forward to seeing your first work as a director. It's a very nice, quick chapter that is just about the relationship between these two guys that we haven't really gotten to see before while tied into the making of the film. It's very elegantly done. Yes, I like this a lot. Uh, very, very sweet. Very, very good. Uh, Nick, I propose to you a change. Uh, a change. Normally, let's do the, we would let's talk. Do the yeah, let's. Yeah. Okay. Uh, an actual chapter happened this time. Uh -huh. It's uh, chapter 116, UNK 1337. I had to have explained to me that these are apparently the beginning of the word unko, which is Japanese for poopy. Wow. Which features prominently in this fucking chapter. Nick, this chapter features poop? Surely you're, surely you're joking. Genba has asked for uh, assistance from Natsu, the uh, the Kunoichi, for trying to work on the bombs that he has. And he's trying to analyze the ingredients of it. Natsu, meanwhile, is like, hmm, the Ashikaga don't have weapons like this. I could use them to blow the fuck up out of Tokiyuki's group. And then Konomaro now will be, might forgive me. I like how she just has to mentally draw a smile on his face because she can't imagine a real yeah. one. <laughs> it's a nice touch. So she's like, all right, I'll help you. And then Gimba's like, all right, let's get started. Poop in this bucket. <laughs> and he's like, no, there's something like poop in this. <laughs> so uh he's like i think that it's, it's it contains dung and she's like it's not poop poo doesn't explode no i've handled all kinds of poo to make mischief it smells like poo i can tell what the pooper ate their sex when they were born based on the smell of their poo he's a poo master nick he's a poo master and so we get a montage of Natsu and Gemma going around stealing poop and running away from people because they're stealing poop. This chapter is really going to appeal to two two groups of people. One, the incredibly immature, and two, those in, into scat-related uh, material. It's, it's really catering to those two audiences. I don't want to think about that latter group, so I'm just going to not. So... <laughs> There's even a justification for why people are defending their poop. It's very valuable in Japan because they need it to, you know, grow stuff as fertilizer and everything. Now, but Nick, when no I referred what... to scat-related materials, I was referring, of course, to Scatman Jones. Yeah, they're just like, look at that poop. They're a poop thief. There's a poop thief. Really smelly poop. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. But no matter what kind of poop they steal, it doesn't explode. So Gimba's like, I don't get it, though. What do we do? So they're like, all right, well, we don't know. We don't have anyone who can teach us what to do, though. And Gimba's like, hmm. You know, I once tried to recruit a shinobi like you. He had difficulty applying what he had learned despite acquiring great skill through training. But he didn't appear to be enjoying himself. But if you hang out with us, you can pursue your own interests. That brat is a unique fighter, and he's got all kinds of ideas and skills. And I love pursuing my own interests. Thus, my dedication to pranks and poop. <laughs> what a line. Fair enough. 
I don't know if he doesn't actually realize who Natsu is or if he is hinting that he does when he says this line, uh, when he talks about the ninja that he encountered before or they tried to recruit. Uh, but maybe we'll find out later. Uh, Natsu has a breakthrough when she examines the explosive that Gimba had dropped in the wire before and she realizes like there is this like residue. There's like this this salt. Uh, so maybe the exploding poop substance dissolves in water like salt and Gimba has a big realization of like, you're right. I was too focused on the actual dung what I need is for it to come from a dry place, the actual thing that we're using. And so he gets these white clumps of something, mix it together with sulfur and charcoal, and the two of them test it right there on the uh, reservoir of poop, and it explodes like fireworks. They topple over into the poop, and there is a really weirdly endearing scene where Genba grabs her hand and shakes it like, yeah, it worked, Natsu, yeah, while they're covered in poop. And, uh, you know, they're like, they have this like moment of celebration. And then you realize like, oh, God, there's poop inside my mask in my mouth. And he takes the mask off. And, uh, oh, no, she's seen his surprisingly handsome face. And she starts blushing. <laughs> and it's it's kind of pixelated because his face is covered in poop and you can't show the poop. So, so it's a little pixelated. But we so can see, we can figure it out. Yeah, so it hides his features as a result of the pixelation, which is kind of clever. Uh and then she's like, why do you hide your face? Because like, a mask is cooler, which is <laughs> fair enough. Pretty great. Gemba goes and shows off the bombs to his group and then says like, hey, this girl Natsu helped me out. Uh, do you mind if she starts working for me? And they're like, yeah, OK, welcome, Natsu. And immediately uh, uh, Ayako and Kojiro kind of realize like, I don't know if we can trust her. This will work. But they're like, eh, get the, keep an eye on her. And uh, yeah, so this was a nice chapter. This was. My favorite chapter of Elusive Samurai, Samurai in a long time. Yeah. And it's about poop jokes. <laughs> I was, when I mentioned those groups, I'm in the former group. I love poop jokes. This, this, this chapter tickled me up and down. I'm like, it's very funny. There's a lot of poop jokes in here. Um, uh, I don't know why. It's just so dumb. And I, it, it is that weird, charming moment of like, oh, I got poop in my mouth. It was just like a gross thing. But he's like, I'm going to take off my mask. And because of it, I'm pixelated. But you get to finally see my features. And it's like, oh, it's a little cute. It's dumb. This is very dumb. But it's kind of cute. Yes. Uh, so, yeah. Uh, I can't believe I'm saying this. But more of the poop jokes, please. Because. <laughs> <laughs> all right, Nick. That's all you're getting now. Um, all right, you're gonna start getting the flying nim poop ja jokes again from Torque out. The m- m- monkey's paw. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right, Nick. It is time to discuss yeah. Mashal Magic and Muscles Chapter One Sixty Two. Mash burned dead, and the generally happy ending. <laughs> Great chapter title for this series. Very much so. So last time we were at the big uh, divine visionary selection, and they just announced that Mash was going to be the new selection. He got his symbol and everything. Mash burned dead. Step forward. We get an awesome two-page color spread with basically all of the characters in the series. It's very, very adorable. And then we cut. Who has arrived? It's not Mash, but oh. narration. Nick, <laughs> do yep. you remember this guy? Yes, I do. <laughs> He has arrived with a letter from Mash. She's like, I will read it out loud. Hey, guys, I'm very honored. I think I'm going to pass on the whole magic cop thing. <laughs> <laughs> I've never been able to use magic, and I did everything I could to, like, 
you know, I did what I did because I thought people without magic should be able to live in peace and receiving everyone's acknowledgement means I've kind of reached my goal. And to be honest, I think everyone deserves that right to live with it in peace. You know, those without magic. And then we get a montage of all of his friends. So he's like the sister obsessed and the cowards, the unpopular kids and the delusionals, the people who did bad stuff, the rule obsessed and the narcissist, those who just want their parents love or those who care too much about strength, the backstabbers and the bare chested. Uh, I should note next to the backstabbers, there's like a shot of somebody dropping off milk. I don't know who that's supposed to be. Is it? I don't know. I wasn't sure if that was supposed because it's not like it's it's like clearly a different panel. Yeah, um, there is a clean break between that one and the previous one. So I was curious. That might just be a character mm-hmm. I've forgotten. Uh, and then, yeah, I love it. And with the bare chested, who is like a fucking villain. Like he's like sitting, like swirling a big glass of Marlowe. He's like, yes. Uh, but hey, if we all live in peace, that'd be great. I'll let Rance handle the rest. He's got it together. So, um, all right, that's it. Bye. <laughs> And doesn't her, even like sign it <laughs> yeah <laughs> he's like oh, okay so that's it and the narration's like uh it ends there uh everyone in the audience is stunned but those who know mash are like yep this sounds like him that's mash that's mash yeah cut over to regrow burn dead a chic and elegant 75 year old who's beginning his morning with a cup of crack and he just starts he just starts getting little tears he's like oh i've missed this welcome Aww. home mash and mash has arrived home Ripping the door off its hinges. and Like always. Yeah, and his dad's like, was the door on purpose? And he's like, nope. no. <laughs> it's like, oh, <laughs> no, it <was> dear. <laughs> we get a time skip. It's kind of unclear exactly how long this time skip is. Yeah. Not a t- tremendous amount of time. Uh, but Finn is over at Regro's place, and Mash has made cream puffs for everybody. And they're like, oh, yeah. wow, this is going to look really good. And he's like, well, I am hoping to go pro. And he's like, hey. Do I hear a third person? And Lemon is hiding in his shadows. And he, he's like, when did you? And she's like, oh, silly. We've been cohabitating for a while now. I've been living in the ceiling for a month. And I was like, good. Make her more unhinged and weird. This is way better for the character. I like how they say, is that cohabitating? And she says, I'm your fiance. So, yes. <laughs> um... Dot shows up and he's feral because he's like, I want girlfriend. <laughs> uh, Lance shows up with his little sister and everyone immediately assumes he's just kidnapped a child. They were <laughs> He's been telling her them about her. Yeah. For so long. Everyone, everyone keeps accusing him and he's like, no, it's my actual sister. They're like, oh, we just thought you were delusional. <laughs> we didn't realize you had an actual little sister. <laughs> No one believed him this entire time. It's very funny. Uh, Dot tries to hand her a cream puff and immediately Dot, like, Lance is like, don't you fucking touch her! You creepy little pig! Don't you ever touch my sister! (laughs) They start a big fight. Uh, I mean, understandable, considering that he just got her back. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Rio Grant shows up and is like, I really just like to start by thanking you personally, Mashburn did, and he's just talking to a mirror. Very, very funny. Um, Brain shows up and is like, for your service, I. And then, like, a rabbit appears in the background. He's like, I can go. <laughs> he just leaves. Just leaves. Yeah, he's out of there. Uh, and then Wahlberg's like, hey, 
allow me to say thanks for saving the world. Uh, Mash just responds, K. Uh, they say even or Order Metal has been pleased with your heroics. Uh, I forget this guy's name. It's like Brad Kopman or something like that. He shows up and he's like, hey, so it was like my idea for you to be Divine Visionary and all. We kind of had like a deal about the money and everything. Mash just hands him a cream puff and he's like, I've been planning to open my own bakery in the future where I'll serve these crisp cookie crust and crusted cream puffs. It's my own recipe. Very delicious. Brad, yeah, okay. Uh and but Mash just keeps repeating it continuously like like a serial killer until he gets it. He's like, I guess I'm just getting the cream puff. He's like, Oh wait, are you suggesting this cream puff settles things? You want me to forget the deal in exchange for dessert? I'm planning on opening my favorite No, don't say it again. <laughs> uh and then finally we end the series. With narration saying, and thus Mash Burned was chosen as the first magic, uh, magicless divine visionary in the magic world, improving the lives of all without magic. In time, hatred and discrimination toward the magicless would vanish altogether. Mash and friends survived further hardships and adventures, living happily in peace. Yeah, we get uh, a little bit of a sign of like, you know, things that kind of happen uh, with the group in the future to to an extent, just like little flashes of, of, of things. They're mostly uh, jokes. Uh, there is yeah. like one of like Mash, like uh, staying on like a rooftop as like a dragon approaches. But I do like there's like all these adventures and one of them looks like Mash accidentally just got eggshells in his, <laughs> his baking. He's like, hmm. Hmm. What do I do now? Yeah. Also, uh, not not too not too shockingly, uh, Lance's little sister is apparently like absurdly uh, talented at magic. Is just a little note there too. Um, and it's a weird thing, uh, but not weird at all at the same time. Just the idea in general of like, oh, this is like the planned end for the series, and the planned end is, and Mash and friends went on many more adventures together, like you would say in the series that got canceled early. But it's like, no, this feels wholly appropriate for, for this manga. Just like, yep, we're kind of how we always have been. It's not like there's been a, been a dramatic character shift in terms of how people act. They're still weird, jokey, jokey people. Oh, and... he's actually right. Uh, uh, Carito is that Mash is thinking he realizes he's out of eggs, so he goes to take him from a dragon. Oh, uh, he's a genius. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, and this just feels like, yeah, this is the note that the series should end on, uh, mm-hmm. as you know, like, yeah, we, we pulled everything full circle. We won the day, but the story is not over, but that's okay. We're done telling it now. So, yeah, uh, this was an extremely, uh, sweet little chapter. Um, oh God, I got to pull myself together. This is the last time we're talking about Mashal on the show. I I love this this series. I I love this series intensely and deeply. Um, I I really came to appreciate the series early on for just how funny it is. It's just a very silly series that really like got me to laugh. Um, But I think as the series moved along, it really did hit on a couple strong points for me. Uh, I think it was a series that I needed at a certain time in my life, certainly. It was like a bright spot on Sundays. It was a series I used to save for last. Mm-hmm. Um, and I I appreciate the candidness that Kamoto Sensei has for just how much 
he did not really want to do this series <laughs> where he was like, it's great. This is a success, but I hate writing a weekly series. I want to die. <laughs> um, and I appreciate that he did eventually get what he wanted. This is a successful series. Uh, I don't know if I'd go so far as say it was a hit. I think it was uh, considered a hit at one time, but it sales eventually petered off, but it got an anime uh, yeah. that seems to be doing relatively well. Um, like this is going to be a series that they can make merchandise for. They could do other stuff with. I mean, I, I think this is just like a, a, a surprise success and it's very nice to have that. And I, I'm just very charmed by it and very thankful for it. Um, I, I think it ended on a good note. It didn't overstay its welcome too long. I think there was like a little bit of like a dip in quality during like the fight with like Luvis and then like, a period after that where it was just like i feel like we're in like a little bit of like a pattern or whatever maybe it wasn't as funny as it was before or as cool but then eventually it picked it back up again and it was funny and cool again so yeah i really really enjoyed this series yeah i didn't quite enjoy the series i think as much as you did but i will say that it was always nice having uh it as just a very consistent bright spot uh week to week uh, to kind of change up some of the stuff that we had to deal with in terms of like, oh, you know, like there's dips in, and peaks in a lot of different series where like you have to kind of like deal with a lot of buildup in order to get the nice satisfying thing. And then here's Mashal, where it's just like almost always just silly and fun uh, chapter to chapter. Uh, and it had a sense of humor that, you know, was not really reached in certain ways by everything else that we've been covering mm -hmm. uh and very very good at what it did so it'll, it'll uh, be a little bit less bright not having it not having in the recap now yeah but, uh, but i a i good note to end on i also hope that uh komodo gets plenty of rest and time mm -hmm. to just enjoy the fact that he created a very successful and fun series yeah and hopefully that we'll give him the freedom to do a series that he is happier making so. Probably monthly series. I think monthly. Yeah. <laughs> Let's close things out then by saying what our favorites were. Quinn, what's your chapter of the week? Who's your MVP? Uh, yes. Uh, my character of the week is going to be Ninomiya from World Trigger, who I thought was very, very funny and cool. And then my series of the week, I think, is going to be Blue Box because of how extraordinarily cute it was. I think that there were a lot of really good chapters this week. Uh, I am going to go with Mashal just because it feels right uh, mm -hmm. at this point. Yeah. Uh, and uh, it was just a nice conclusion to everything. I am going to fully echo you uh, and say Nidami is my character of the week, though, because that was such a surprising but incredibly well done uh, confrontation between Higi and Yuzuru. was very happy with uh, seeing it go down and bringing a lot of character intrigue to that series again yeah uh the audience by the way agreed with you on mashal uh for series of the week and then they picked karen from blue box as their character of the week i mean understandable yes i totally agree there's a ton of just like supremely cool characters at this week yeah. to talk about this was fun uh, a fun week of manga guys thank you all for joining us we will uh, see you all next week at our usual time hopefully wednesday uh somewhere around 7 30 to 8 eastern time in the evening here on twitch.tv slash rollo t uh we tend to uh we we uh, will send out a blast whenever it goes live but you can also follow us on social media in 
an increasing number of places as we try and find a permanent place to lay down roots. Hey, uh, you won't find us on threads. I don't, I, I barely nope. have an Instagram nope. account and I'm certainly not going to sign up for the rest of it. Not um, but we are in blue sky. Yes. Both of us are. Uh, and uh, you can also join our Discord server, which will be linked wherever this gets posted. Participate in conversations with our wonderful community. Talk about chapters. Talk about the recommendation that we are currently working on and all sorts of other fun things. You can find the Google Doc that is maintained by Ninja X3i. Make a recommendation for a future series for us to talk about. Check out past stuff that we have covered on the show and all sorts of different things, including MVP and favorite series voting from the audience and everyone else, supplemental series awards and all that stuff. Uh, we also like to thank Milo Jack Stillitz and Winslow Cheddar for creating the opening sequence of the video version of the podcast, which goes up on youtube.com slash weekly manga recap. Also has title cards occasionally done by Steve Man. So you can check out wherever boobs can be drawn on the internet. Steve Man art. Google it. And I think that is going to be everything. Uh, Quinn, tell me, uh, do we have another manga that we're going to be looking at soon? We do. I uh, picked one out here. Now, unfortunately, we ended up just uh, kind of covering Oshinoko throughout all of uh, June. But Pride Month is a state of mind, especially mm. uh, for people who are queer who are just like, it's my existence. I don't just exist queerly during one month of the year. You don't? Yeah. I, I, it's, weirdly, I'm not like the Spookmaster General where I only exist comedically through one month. Uh, so I was like, this is I thought I thought it was like, you know, like you turn the rainbow lights on and then like, you know, the ghosts that are there appear, uh -huh. but then you turn them off and they go back to their home dimension. <laughs> yes, uh, that actually is a mechanic, but unfortunately, it's not what we're referring to right now. Uh, I, I want to cover some queer series. Uh, so we're going to be talking about Beauty and the Beast Girl. This was recommended by Ninja. Uh, and this is a Yuri between a monster girl and a blind girl. Ooh. That's 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 all I have for a description. There's nothing else, but it's a 50 chapter series. Feels like something we could get through relatively quickly. Yeah. So uh, stay tuned for that. And guys, thank you all for tuning in. We will catch you next time here on Weekly Manga Recap. Wah! Yeah, that's the sound we make. Wow. Yes. Do you have anything else you want to say, Nick? I'm just trying to think if I should keep on going with like a Wario impression or until we were. You know, that's a, a tip in voice training for transfems is to channel the <laughs> Wario voice. And then no, I and then, no. <laughs> and then you are like, Wah! and like go up from there. Like you need like a level of like the kind of like sign. It's, it's a whole thing. You know what? There's okay. TikTok videos you can find it by everybody. <laughs>